I'm Mark Morgan. Now here's Neil Rogers on 560 Two at five sixty. I don't want to step on that. I thought maybe there might be a little smirkle in there at the very end. Anyway, it's two minutes after. It's a Tuesday, September twenty sixth. For those who are keeping track, almost October already. Man, are we doing it or what? No, doing something. Had the trends come out yesterday, and boy, and men, the station is number sixteen, and we're proud of it. I don't think uh, have we ever reached a depth like that. Oh, I don't know. Probably in all these years, I and mean, that's the overall number for the whole week. Number sixteen, our sports station. We're number sixteen, and we're damn proud of it too. By the way, make no mistake about that. Here's our poll from yesterday. The politician I trust most is, we had 1,588 vote. By the way, we got 873 for today. We might have 1,000 by uh, 11 o'clock, you think? We might. Politician I trust most is none. They're all crooks. That was the correct answer. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, 553, almost 35% of the audience. Bunch of cynics. I voted for that, and so did you. Yeah. Bill Clinton, 351. Al Gore, 161. With or without the lockbox. Russ Feingold, 129. Bobby Graham, 98. If Russ Feingold just had a more goyish name, man, they'd like him even better, I think. Bob Graham, 98. Barack Obama, 63. There is the dark horse. Not Maybe not dark enough for some, but probably too dark for George Allen. Barack Obama, he's a man. He's got 63. George W. Bush, only 43. 2.7% for your fearless leader, the politician they trust the most. John McCain, 34. I hate this poll, 33. Rudy Giuliani, 33. Elliot Spitzer, 31. Next governor of New York and the next president of the U.S. Ted Kennedy, 21. John Kerry, 13. Nancy Pelosi, 11. Hillary Clinton, only 11. Solamente Once, not too good, not too impressive. Arlen Specter's only got a pair, and Bill Fist has one. <laughs> Nobody got left out. Nice going, Billy Boy. Let's see if we can sell some of that stock for you. Got a bunch of George Allen stuff. 19 dead people in Afghanistan, a couple of roadside bombings. Any interest? No. What's that got to do with that big game in the Superdome last night, Neil? Nothing. You know how many minutes I watched of that game? I would say a total of four. Total of four. Not all at once. I was because be Well, the, the two times I turned over to it, it was in, in HD, no less, and it was non-competitive. Maybe Josh saw some of that. Did you watch it? I watched a lot of it, yes. Did you? 
Well, did Atlanta miss the team bus or something? They they looked awfully non-compass weenus to me, non-competitive. They just couldn't compete with the emotion of New Orleans. Is that what it is? Put the emotion in the in the basket? Well, thank God we got the Superdome back in shape, baby. Man, they're all whipped up and, hey, New Orleans is back. Now, well, of course, all those poor schleppers, you know, whose houses are still in tatters. And all those schools and hospitals that are still a long way from being open. I wouldn't be surprised if that school in Iraq opens, that school for uh, hospital for children, opens before any some of the hospitals in New Orleans. You know the one that Laura's all excited about? Oh, yeah. The one that's uh, also about it. <laughs> right, that's the one. You got it. Never had before. See, there you go being cynical again. You just, people just Sorry. don't like that. They want, they want, and I'm talking about me. They want you to jump on that bandwagon. We love New Orleans. The Saints are back. You know, we ought to be doing when the Saints are marching in. Stuff like that. As opposed to all the reality of the truth. See, the public doesn't like the truth. They like window dressing. They like uh, masquerades. I bet you if I refresh this, then we got 900 votes on today's poll already. We do. Exactly 900. Man, do I know my crap or what? What was that promo that Mad Dog was talking about? All the bird crap on Donnie Cup on his shoulder. Do you hear that? No. He said six pigeons crapped on his shoulder or something like that. I don't hear the promos. Well, you better stop tuning them out. Otherwise, you're going to be full of crap. Sorry. That's right. You're going to alienate. It's your fault. Now I'm beginning to understand. That's it. Why your sales manager won't come around there and answer some of our questions. I think that meeting is still in progress. Is it really? Boy, what a bunch of crap. It's not so much a meeting as it is a seminar, another seminar. Seminar on what? On selling. On how not to sell a midday show? Maybe they ought to have a seminar. Listen, I don't care. No, I think they're experts on that. No, I got expert. I, I got uh, all the aggravation yesterday I could use from this joint. I, I ate. I Please ate. I had a pint pray. of Ben Jerry's coffee, toffee crunch. I'll sacrifice a goat if that's what it takes. I was 196 on the scale this morning. I haven't weighed that much in about I would, but I, three, four years. I haven't weighed that much over 195. Got 196 it. and 0.4. 196.4 on the digital scale. I'm on the way to, to an early grave. Thanks to this place. And it, it, it just you know, and you keep saying to yourself, why? What's the point? You know, just there keep the checks coming. That's it. I was shaving this morning. I was shouting at the mirror, just keep the checks coming in the hell with it. Well, I really was. I'm not joking. I'm not, why would I make that up? I was shouting at the mirror. Well, I mean, at least, I, at least I had a good captive audience anyway. Nobody's going to give me any crap. Nobody's going to give me any crap. That's right. 901. But, you know, Joe Bell's a happy camper. He's jolly uh, Raleigh Joe, and he's got that sales manager in there. He's got that big seminar going today. He's feeding them some pretty heavy-duty And, of course, once we saw that trend come out yesterday, wow. See, the good thing about it is this outfit doesn't need ratings. They don't sell ratings. They just they have 8,000 salespeople, and if each one sells one spot, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then we're all set. Well, who has history been most kind to? That's our poll today. Was that uh, one of uh, Sean's polls? Thank you, Sean. I already got tomorrow's poll uh, ready. Isn't that exciting? Who's that history is. been most kind to? It's a very lopsided second day in a row. We have a lopsided result. Ronald Reagan. Remember him? Ronnie Reagan, 411. We got 901 votes. He's got... Almost half of them. Nazi bastard. Now, you can't say that about the guy that died. He had that Alzheimer's, and, of course, he was, you know, win one for the Gipper and one for the Jipper and one for all those right-wingers. Oh, there's the old file footage of Osama, and I'm in the Paiman Zawari. No, I'm in the Paiman. Still ain't got him yet either. Or Mullah Omar. Reagan 417, Abe Lincoln 101. A lot of rumors that he might have been gay. Well, what's that got to do with uh, slavery? See, when you find out that he didn't really give a damn about freeing the slaves, then you find out he wasn't all so great as they claim he was. But he was a brilliant man. And, of course, when you're that ugly, you have to be, have something going, right? Like right. me. you got to be brilliant like me. Uh, the Pilgrims, 101, came here to escape religious persecution. And that what was their specialty? Religious persecution. That's it, including burning witches. Joe Kennedy. The old, huh? It burns. Joe Kennedy, the old man, 72, and he was not a bootlegger. Well, maybe he was. He was a crook, though. Joe Kennedy. 
In fact, that's one thing you'll find about most people in families where they're like billions and billions, you know, really big money, serious money, is that they got it like through uh, devious means. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, Henry Ford, who was a little anti-semantic, he had 40. Robert E. Lee had 40. Charlie Lindbergh, 37. You know, if, if Nancy Grace would have just been around when Charlie Lindbergh killed that kid, you know, she, she would have grilled his ass. Out of put him right. on here. Why did you kill your kid? Why did you do that? Yeah. You know, Nancy Disgrace, somebody called her last night. I forget what show that was on. She And you know what really kills me? Yeah. Nancy Disgrace, somebody called her last night. I forget what show that was on. She And you know what really kills me? What? Gravity? This jackass Bullet? Joe Scarborough, you know, oh, on yeah. MSNBC. I'll watch a little of him because he's on after Olderman. And I'll flip back over there to see what crap mm-hmm. he's spewing. He, he's constantly ripping into her, and, and, and rightfully so. But who the hell is he to be talking about? He's full of crap. He's full of garbage. He's ripping Nancy Disgrace. And then they're, com- they're whining about the fact that they got ratings over there on CNN Headline News, that her ratings went up 30% because she w- they were still playing the interview with the woman that committed suicide, you know, that she was grilling on the air. They're still exploiting it. See, when, when a bunch of people who have no ratings start bellyaching about people who do have ratings, it sounds like sour grapes to me, you know what I mean? In fact, pretty soon yeah. we're going to be in that category, so let's practice. I hate this poll. Look how many people said that. About 30, man. But that's only 3.2%, and that's because we added it late. My bad. Harry Truman, 28. Drop that bomb, Harry. Drop the big one, baby. Pope Pius XII, 26. Never met a Nazi he didn't like. Arthur Godfrey, 12. I would say the same for him, as a matter of fact. Isn't that interesting the two of them are together? Mm-hmm. That's why they named a street after him on Miami Beach. If I live to be 200, which I doubt, uh, I still will never be able to figure that out. One of the most virulent anti-Semites. Never hired a Jew on that Arthur Godfrey show because he, and he had the... Uh, he was part owner of the Kenner, Kenilworth Hotel. one of those restricted hotels on the beach. No Jews, no blacks, probably no Indians. Arthur Godfrey got 12, so they named a uh, street after him. Lyndon Johnson, 8, and Henry Kissinger's only got 3. Henry, you know something? If they turn this thing uh, around a little bit, it'd be more accurate. But I guess they haven't watched that DVD like we have about Kissinger. Right. And don't know what a butcher he really was. Yeah. Well, you know, he was commissioner of the uh, soccer league or something like that, wasn't he, Josh? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Some crap. 925 votes. I think I was right. I think we're going to have 1,000 by 11 o'clock. Then they will fear us. Doug Thompson's got a good article today. Guess who it's about? Bush? George Allen. Oh. No, even even worse than Bush, if that's possible. No. In fact, that was one of the Republican uh, superstars on the horizon. A lot of people talked about him as presidential material in 2008. And probably in the South, there are a lot of people now like, uh, raise that fat flag. You're going to be very disturbed when you find out that uh, there are a couple of XM radio hosts joining in the Mirtha Swift voting event that's coming up. Going to do an attack on poor old John Mirtha, XM. Well, what did Joe Costello tell me? It's a bunch of, it's, it's basically for rednecks and guys that drive pickup trucks. Same difference. I'm sure they like Martha Stewart. And then, of course, that new Oprah radio show. See that debuted yesterday? No, I didn't see. That exciting or what, huh? I'm thrilled. Like I said, take your radio and burn it. Trust me, before it's too late. 12 minutes past 10 at QM. Don't forget, we got the Mad Dog at 2. We got that great new lineup going now. Take that trend and flush it down the toilet, baby, yesterday, because we got a whole new bunch of. That's right. We got the Kenny and Bo Morning Show. Then we got the Mad Dog at 2, the Power Hour. Hank and the Mad Dog in stereo, 4 to 5, and then the Humper Solo, 5 to 6.30, because the Marlins are back in action. They're going to play out the string, I guess you might say. Reds are in town, pregame at 6.30, game time at 7.05, followed by the world-famous Eddie Kaplan Show. The biggest names, the best talents. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. I didn't lay down on my couch. They're a legendary cop duo dedicated to cleaning up the streets of L.A. 
The Jews have got us pinned down. No, 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 Riggs. They're not Jews. The Jews are everywhere. We got to get some backup to take care of these Jews. No, 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 Riggs. They're not Jews. It's two junkies and a dealer. Damn, Jew junkies. Lethal Weapon 5. Riggs, Riggs, you all right? You all right? Those three Jews are responsible for all the world's wars. Who, who, what are you talking about? Lethal Weapon 5, starring Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and the return of Joe Pesci as Leo Getz. Hey, Rex, Marta, hey, hey! Hey, Leo! Okay, okay, yeah. F*** off, Joe! You crazy! Yeah? F*** off, now! What did you just call me, Riggs? I called you, I Crazy, cracker! Lethal Weapon 5, now playing to ruin Mel Gibson's career. 1018 at 560, WQM. Speaking of bigots, Doug Thompson writes, George Allen's rampant racism, a long, sordid history. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind as I'm reading this, that I'm reading it verbatim, it is a news story. You got that? Got okay, it down? I got it. Mark that down. Put it on your wrist. That's like a momentum. news story. Right. Doug Thompson says, in 1984, I worked as a contract field consultant for the National Republican Congressional Committee, also as a writer for the Voices for Victory program in the Reagan-Bush presidential campaign. During that time, I attended a meeting of GOP political operatives in Richmond, Virginia. Among those attending was a young delegate, George Allen, son of the legendary Washington Redskins coach, who used to lick his thumb all the time. At a cocktail party that followed our meeting, Allen huddled with some other Virginia politicos and GOP operatives and discussed the upcoming presidential election, as well as the field of Democratic candidates that at that time featured civil rights activist Jesse Jackson. You mark my words, Allen said. Jesse Jackson can't win in Virginia. Hell, he's so far out that even the niggers won't vote for him. A few shuffled their feet and looked away when Allen issued his racial slur. Others laughed. While Allen may have scored as a first-class bigot, he failed as a prognosticator. Jackson carried the Virginia Democratic presidential primary in 84. That was my first encounter with a racist named George Allen. Sadly, it would not be my last. In 1991, while serving as vice president for political programs for the National Association of Realtors, I attended a GOP fundraiser where Allen, then running in a special election for the U.S. House of Representatives, was one of the featured guests. As a representative of the nation's largest trade association and heading up what was then the country's largest political action committee, I was often cornered by politicians' wanted contributions. George Allen was no exception. I need your help and support, he said. Virginia is an old-fashioned state with traditional ideas. Just because we've got a black face in the governor's mansion doesn't mean the niggers are taking over. Doug Wilder, America's first African-American governor, had taken office in Richmond a year earlier. Some in the group laughed. I walked away. I don't like racists. Against my recommendations, the realtors' pack voted to support Allen. I gladly left the association as part of reorganization the following year. During my next 12 years in Washington, I would run across Allen at one event or another. I tried to stay away from him. I didn't like him, and I still don't. But all too often found myself nearby when he issued a long string of racial epithets, ethnic slurs, and jokes that would qualify as racial harassment in any workplace. It was not unusual to hear racial slurs at gatherings of Republicans. Many GOP events were all white. Allen and others would call Arabs ragheads, Afro-Americans niggers, and homosexuals fags or queers as part of their normal conversation. They would laugh at each other's racist jokes. When Allen and another well-known Senate Republican racist, Montana's Conrad Burns, got together, the uh, slurs would fly like confetti through the air. So it comes as no surprise to me that Allen's in trouble again for his rampant racism. His incredible slurring of a native Virginia of Indian ancestry at a campaign rally was just the latest example of his routine and callous bigotry. Now, Dr. Ken Shelton, a radiologist in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and football teammate of Allen at the University of Virginia, says in Salon that the Virginia senator, who wants to be president, frequently called black people niggers and once stuffed the severed head of a deer into a black household's oversized mailbox. 
Salon says two other former football players at Virginia back Shelton's story but didn't name them. Christopher Taylor, an anthropology professor at the Birmingham campus of the University of Alabama, was a graduate student at UVA in the 80s until the New York Times and the New Republic. He heard Alan comment about some turtles in a pond and say that around here only niggers eat them. Shelton says, Alan, you only used racial slurs when in the company of other whites at U of Virginia. That's what I found true about Alan over the years. In all white GOP enclaves, he would let his hair down because he felt safe with others who shared his racial bigotry. There's an unspoken rule that if you want to continue to work in Washington, you protect those in power and you don't talk about their dirty little secrets. I no longer work there, and I'm ashamed that I was involved with and helped protect the secrets of those who shared such beliefs. Racism and homophobia run roughshod through the Republican Party and are among the reasons I got out of politics and returned to journalism. Alan Monday issued a denial claiming he never used such slurs. I don't ever remember using that word, Alan said, in a carefully staged photo op that included black pastures from the Richmond area. That word was not part of my vocabulary. It wasn't then, it hasn't been since then, it is not now. It's not who I was and not who I am. He's a liar. Such words have long been part of Alan's vocabulary. He used them often, and I and too many others have heard him. I would swear to it under oath. Among the others is noted University of Virginia Larry Sabato, who said Alan used the racial slur in the 70s. The fact is, he did use the N-word, whether he's denying it or not, Sebato told MSNBC's Chris Matthews and Hardball. The fact is, George Allen is a racist, a bigot, and despicable miscreant, unfit to hold any elected office. Sadly, he's not the only one found in the halls of power in Washington. That's what your buddy Doug Thompson writes. It's a news story. You know, I hate it when he mentions words. I beg your pardon? I hate it when he mentions words and beats around the bush. And... Yeah. That's why I love Doug I Thompson, man. He pulls no punches. He comes right out and sticks it to him, baby. He tells it just like it is. He is the best. That's who I voted for in that poll the other day. Me too. All these polls all the time. By the way, there's a great... <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff on that MySpace on our page. Oh, yeah. It's from YouTube. And you told me it was on Saturday Night Live, which I didn't know that. That skit with Tom Brady about sexual harassment in the workplace. Yes. while back. And Tommy, first of all, goes over and he reaches... Well, at first they got that nerdy guy who looks like Robert Creeper without the glasses. <laughs> and all he does is just stand next to that uh, chick sitting there, uh, that secretary, there, and she picks up the phone, and before you know it, there's the cop there ready to drag him away. <laughs> Sexual harassment. Tom Brady comes by and squeezes one of her boobies, and man, she's smiling, you know. Uh-huh. Then about two minutes later, Tommy comes back. He's uh, just about naked except for a jockstrap. That's and right. She's smiling, loving it, and why the hell not? That's, who, that's who exactly how it works, too. Right. There you go. Sexual harassment is for ugly people, and, of course, if you happen to be hot, then, you know, like that. Don't stay away too long, Tommy. Kind of like that. It's cute. 976. I'd say by 1030 we're going to be damn close to 1,000. This is shocking. So are they still having that big powwow in there, that confab? I have no idea. Wow. We're locked in a little room now. Yeah, now let me, I don't want to, like, a prognosticator start guessing. I've got my fingers crossed in my legs. I'm going to go back and start shaving again and yell into the mirror. But you know what? Listen, maybe maybe the meeting is about something like, oh, I better not start a rumor because then no. it'll be kind of like reverse of what that deal across the street, you know? Remember that? Somebody mm-hmm. across the street was starting the ugly rumor about how they were going out of business on a certain date and they were going to like uh, fold up their tent. Of course, they got that big kiss there in August. They got some wired diaries. I mean, a big trend in August. So maybe they'll keep them going an extra month. But the point I was trying to make is that generally what happens is that what they do when a company's ready to sell, you know, they load up the log with spots. They just load it all up, you know? And then they sell it. They get that billing goose up there, you know? Yeah. Maybe, probably... they're, maybe they have an announcement in the um, sales department. No, it was another seminar. How do you know that? When I walked by a couple times, it was obviously a sales seminar in progress. Well, how, how do you recognize a sales seminar in progress? Because Chris Jones is standing up in front of like a, a, a dry erase board, uh, you know, doing a seminar. Doing what? Drawing dirty pictures? You know it. Stick figures of you bent stick over. Figure. Oh, I'm sure of that. Yeah. I'm I, said, sure. I, know, I know we wanted to stick it, too. And I said, that's not how you draw on the right here. Let me show you. Foot. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh. No, he's taking a page from his predecessor, man. He's doing the old, uh, the old, you know, hit and run. Now, that's fine. That's okay. Like I said, I looked in that mirror and I said, screw it. Screw it. Very good. Yeah, like that, you know. <laughs> what? Huh? Well, no, I came, I got up early because I, I was too fat and I should have known that. That's why I woke Ooh. up an hour and a half early and I came in here. I listened to about 40 minutes and it was sports and sports and sports and more sports. And we're, we're just, we're out of step, man. And why don't you admit it when you're out of step? you got to admit it. The rest of the world is in line. I mean, we didn't even watch that game last night. I watched about four minutes. Now, at least Josh watched some of it. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm talking about the Saints and the Falcons, baby, in the the Superdome in Orleans. It's on there right now. See, there you go. It's a touch and feel. It's an emotional feel. Yeah, there they go. uh, U2 was there and And uh, Bono was there. Huh? Green Day. and Green Day. Green Day was there, too. I'm excited about that. They performed together. Oh, and there's the Saints scoring a touchdown, that blocked punt. But it's, you know, but it's and that was the end. And after that, you might as well turn it off because that was the end of the game. It was non-competitive. It was boring. You know, unless you're, like, all whipped up about New Orleans, which I never liked it before, Katrina, so why should I like it now? I just keep it ab- thinking about those poor bastards. who. And, and then they show some of the uh, neighborhoods, man, uh, and everything, all the gl- garbage is still out there and all the crap, you know. Uh, <laughs> but we got the Superdome going, baby. We got a big show. That's what it's all about. That's what America's all about, man. The big show. Only Janet Jackson wasn't there, and even Justin Tinkerbell didn't make it. 27 after 10. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to have one of these sales holes come in and give us a rundown on the big meeting. As soon as, that, as soon as it breaks up. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. Rogers. Welcome to the gay games. I love those running shoes. Oh my god, where did you get those? We have oodles of events like the hundred meter prance and the synchronized sachet. I hope I win a gold medal. It's fun to accessorize. Plus gold goes with everything. You're kidding? We just adore the gay game. Check out our giant torch. It's not the only thing playing. But at least it's sports that he say. 1032 at 560 WQAM. The editors of the nation write deja vu on Iran. I don't want to read all this depressing stuff. It's enough to make you blow your brains out. Let's talk about the game. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's talk about uh, Chris uh, Sims and what a ballsy kid he is, man. Played with a busted spleen the end of that game. Isn't that what you were thinking about when you left yesterday? No. He's talking to you, yeah. No, I'm actually... No, I'm talking to George, not you. Talking to George. Oh, I'm sorry. My brain shut off. You Forget said about uh, Josh. He was thinking about how his team blew the game there with two seconds left or whatever it was. Deja vu on Iran. Here we go again, write the editors of the nation. The cliches come frighteningly easy when one ponders the recent efforts of the Hawks to gin up the case for military confrontation with Iran. Oh, my God. The playbook's familiar. Pump up the threat. Use the media as a conveyor and watch public opinion swing toward war. A campaign of the sort has been underway for weeks. In late August, the staff of the GOP-led House Intelligence Committee released a report on Iran that depicted it as a pressing strategic danger. Iran probably has a biological weapons program and likely has a chemical weapons research and development program, it said. Uh. More alarming, the report stated that Iran was definitely seeking nuclear weapons and enriching weapons-grade uranium. It conceded that U.S. intelligence lacked crucial information on Iran's WMDs, but it warned intelligence analysts not to be wimps in reaching assessments about Iran's WMD capabilities and not to shy away from provocative conclusions. That is, don't wait for hard and fast evidence before pronouncing Iran a nuclear threat. 
The media coverage of the report was straightforward, a bit too straightforward. Major news stories didn't question the report's assertion that Iran is producing weapons-grade uranium. Yet three weeks later, the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, sent a letter to Peter Hoekstra, Republican chair of the House Intelligence Committee, criticizing the report for being outrageous and dishonest. It noted that uranium for weapons must be 90% enriched, but that Iran had enriched uranium only 3.5%. The IAEA letter, first reported by the Washington Post, also challenged the committee's unsupported assertion that the IAEA has a policy barring its officials from telling the whole truth about the Iranian nuclear program. The report was born of an agenda to whip out public support for military action against Iran. Its principal author was Frederick Flights, a former CIA official who had worked for hardliner John Bolton at the State Department. Nice mustache. The report was not fully vetted by the Intelligence Committee before being released by Hoekstra, who in June was claiming that there had been WMDs in Iraq. But it was reviewed by the office of John Negroponte, the hawkish director of national intelligence, the butcher of Honduras. Pardon our suspicion, but this whole deal appears to be an end-run orchestrated by Bolton, I keen on clearing the way for military action against Iran. The obvious question is, can they get away with it again? In this sequel, the war advocates have another repressive regime to demonize and another proliferation challenge they can portray as a daring immediate threat. Knight Ritter reports that CIA and Pentagon intelligence officials are concerned that the offices of Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld are receiving a stream of questionable information on Iran from Iranian exiles, a la Ahmed Chalabi in the Iraqi National Congress. But the Knight Ritter report adds, as was not the case during the Iraq episode, intelligence analysts and others are more forcefully challenging claims they believe to be false or questionable. And foreign policy realists and retired and currently serving members of the military are warning that with Iraq falling apart, confrontation with Iran is not feasible. At the same time, a European push is growing to drop the threat of sanctions against Iran in favor of negotiations. That's good news. However, the House Intelligence Report shows that the hawkish clique is prepared to roll over analysts and experts who don't reach the desired conclusion, and such dissenters will not have the aptly named bully pulpit routinely available to George W. Bush. Which brings us to the media and Congress. Each will have to be far more discriminating and diligent than it was last time around. No automatic transmission belt, no rubber stamp, no forgetting. How do you like that? Maybe that's the October surprise. But a bing, baby. Here we go in Tehran, man, with the six soldiers that we got left who aren't in Iraq. By the way, you see, keep seeing these reports on the news about, oh, bad news, you're going to have to go back again. We're extending your tour until uh, you're yeah. on the year 2525. 1,016 votes on the poll, man. I'm going to tell you something really, I think it's a new lineup, don't you? Sorry. We'll what? find out with the poll tomorrow. No, I'm serious. I think that maybe the audience is making a comeback now. Because what could be more important than sparks? Huh? <laughs> Nothing I can think of. Oh, God. 1,019 votes. Who has history been the most kind to? Excellent poll, uh, Sean, whoever you are. Ronald Reagan, man. Ronnie is killing him. Too bad he's not around to see it. He'd be so damn proud. 461 votes. The first tool of the right-wing lunatics, man. The same people that have uh, taken over now. They retook it they, in, a, in a bloody coup. In fact, even, uh, what's his name over there, uh, Pervert Musharraf, even, he, he did an uh, easier coup in Pakistan than these guys. Ronnie Reagan, 461. Abe Lincoln, 112. The Pilgrims, 112. Isn't that amazing the way that they like to doll up history, you know? Oh, yeah, they always have. Glamorize everything. Oh, it was so wonderful. They came here to escape religious persecution. Right. <laughs> sure they did. Old man Joe Kennedy, 77. What a thief. You think maybe God was a smote him with that stroke, you know, and he lived uh, the last several years of his life like, uh, kind of like a must like broccoli, like a vegetable, huh? Like a spinach. Yeah, like an E. coli-ridden spinach. Robert E. Lee, 45. I hate this poll, 42. 4.1% hate this poll. I don't understand that. What's not to like about this poll? Henry Ford, 42. Charlie Lindbergh, 39. Which one was the most anti-Semitic of those two? Boy, that's a, that's a tough one, you know. 
Didn't Ford sponsor Father Coughlin on the radio in the uh, 20s, that uh, virulent anti-Semite? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Well, you were around. Oh, yeah. I think they did. Henry Ford. Anyway, Charlie Lindbergh, 39. He didn't kill that kid. Well, he did. Yes, he did. Harry Truman. Look at how many Harry's got. Give him hell, Harry. And drop another big one, please. Pope Pius XII, 28. Arthur Godfrey, still only 12. See, I don't, I don't like... Well, I, what am I going to say? I've just right. never been able to understand that. First of all, all the people that ever saw Arthur Godfrey on TV beside me and Chicken Ecker are all dead anyway. Right. No one so, knows from Arthur. Arthur that's Godfrey. right. I mean, if you think those old cockers on the beach have got uh, computers that are going to vote in this pool for <laughs> Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> the only Jew he ever hired on that show was Holly Loki. Oh, Oops. she wasn't Jewish? Lyndon Johnson, 11, and Henry Kissinger, 8. Although he did fire, what's his name, Julius La Rosa on the air. That was a real classy act. What a, what a jerk. What a jackass. Fired him right on the air. 1,028 votes, man. I think it's going to be pretty impressive today, if you ask me. I think we're off to the races. You think? It's possible. Norman Solomon writes media tall tales for the next war, but I'm not going to read it because it's about the same thing that that article from The Nation is. I just read about our planned war with uh, Iran. Okay. But I'm not going to do it. I don't, want to keep, I don't want to be repetitive. Although maybe I'll read that article again about George Allen from Doug Thompson. When I realize, you know, and the idea that he, this is always the way it is, like Mark Furman, you know, why not at least say, okay, well, I'm a good old boy from the South, and we tend to use that word, and I, it was bad, you know. Oh, yeah, right. Right, like Southerners don't use the N-word? Come because on. politics is all about lying. Yeah, but I think he probably, the, the people that he's catering to, man, they probably would like, they probably use it like every couple yeah. of months. They're using it now. Well, what do we know? What do we know about Virginia? Ever been in Virginia? I think I drove through Richmond once. That's as close as I ever came. I have to I drive through Virginia to get to the property in North Carolina every time I go, because it's right by the border. And the first thing that... You have to drive through Virginia to get to North Carolina? Where are you coming from, Niagara Falls? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand that. The property, my property, is right by the border, and the access road leads to the property from... Virginia, the Virginia side oh. of the border. So you're like in the northwest part of North Carolina. I'm in the northwest part, that's right. And oh. the first thing that greets you when you cross into Virginia it's is Chris that, Jones. Yeah, exactly. Is that obnoxious sign that says, radar detector is illegal here, we'll confiscate it, ticket you, and beat you up. And it's offensive to me, because I hmm. have a radar detector. Pretty offensive to me, just mm. to being in that neck of the woods. But then again, you like it up there. It's nice I like the quiet. red neck of the woods. That's right. There's no people. Nice and quiet. There's nobody to bug you up there. That's nobody right. to bother you. Nobody to give you a bunch of crap. Nobody to force sports That's talk right. on you when you don't want to hear about the Except game. The people that you bring with game, you. About Donnie Culpepper. How many turds did he have on his shoulder? That's a good line, by the way, Mad Dog. Six pigeons that took a crap on his shoulder. That was beautiful. Not to say that he's a statue, you understand, or that he's immobile. <laughs> what a sack. 19 to 11 at 560 WQM, your sports neurotic station, baby. We're going we're gonna to take the game and we're going to jam it down your throat. Trust me. Right now, let's invite you to experience the difference at Mercedes-Benz of Pompano. Mercedes-Benz of Pompano is now under new ownership and new management. At Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, it doesn't matter what time of month you buy the vehicle, whether it's the brand new 2007 E-Class, their full lot of convertibles, or their large selection of certified pre-owned cars. When you choose Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, you have over 200 employees dedicated to providing incomparable service like complimentary loaner vehicles and complimentary car washes, too. Be sure and browse their indoor expo with over 150 new and used vehicles or click on BenzPompano.com. Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, they're open every day of the week for you. They're open Monday through Fridays, 9 to 8, Saturday, 9 to 6, and every Sunday, noon to 5. Experience the difference. Call 1-800-NEW-BENZ, B-E-N-Z. You'll find them at I-95 and Copens Road. That's 1-800-NEW-BENZ for Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, a Mercedes-Benz dealer like no other in the universe. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 5. 
Yeah, that's it there. How long is this going to go on? Seriously. How, how many false cues are we supposed to have during each break, huh? About 30, man. About 30, man. Yeah. What was that? False cue. False cue? Drive away the revelers, keep them from loitering. That's the goal. Just put a loudspeaker and my sappy tunes together, and it's a beauty. They won't stay there long. At night, my songs keep kids from gathering. At night, my songs are played as an imitating. At night, my songs will drive you out of your mind. They don't like my songs, don't like my songs. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. Okay, Josh, it's in spot. Just kidding. No, no. <clears throat> <laughs> Who can play that game? Every, everything we got on now has got a false cue in the middle of it. You know that promo for that weekend, uh, whatever that show was, uh, I don't know what the hell it's called. They got like three false cues in the middle of the real deal. So let me know which cue is the real cue, okay? The real cue and the real deal. Wow. Right. 1047, 13 to 11 at 560 WQAM. Get on your toes now. The biggest names. Just kidding. Liberal bloggers have uncovered a staff member to Representative Charles Bass, Republican of New Hampshire, using government computers to make face, fake posts on liberal blogs in New Hampshire. Remember when they uh, discovered in New Hampshire that they were, like, tying up all the uh, phone banks for the Democratic headquarters? Mm-hmm. Heard on the Hill columnist Mary Ann Akers has authorized Ross Story to reprint the full registration restricted item below. Well, we don't have to register. We don't have to, like, give them our shoe size or anything else. Here it is. Liberal bloggers in New Hampshire busted an aide to Representative Charles Bass, Republican New Hampshire, was posing as a liberal blogger on such blogs as Blue Granite, NHO2 Progressive, and others. Bass's office admitted culpability to HOH and said the staffer would be appropriately disciplined, like shot in the leg. The unnamed aide to Bass, who, like many others in his party, faces a tough re-election fight, was routinely trolling liberal New Hampshire political blogs, calling himself Indy NH, and more commonly, uh, without the quotes, Indy NH, pretending to be a progressive. Finally, after noticing that lots of things he said just didn't add up, a couple of bloggers traced Indy NH's IP address to the House of Representatives. IP. Can we say that? How about IP freely? And they thought... How many offices in the U.S. House would be interested in one race in New Hampshire? The answer, very, very few, probably Solamente Uno. Laura Klossner runs the Blue Granite blog and writes, as Miss Laura told HOH, that she and another blogger easily traced NDNH's IP address to the House server. They could even see the searches Mr. or Mrs. NDNH was doing to gather opposition research on Bassett's challenger, Paul Hodes, the Democrats, such as Hodes in Gay Marriage and Hodes in Taxes. The poser had raised suspicions among liberal bloggers after he poo-pooed a recent poll showing Bash tied with Hodes and suggested the Democrats shouldn't waste any time or money on the Hodes race and instead should uh, invest their resources in other races. How do you like that? Cute. Some more dirty tricks, more of the Karl Rove BS. If we can't win the election fair and square, either let's fix it at the ballot or find some other way to do it. Fix it on the internets. Now, let's see. This looks like very uh, familiar handwriting. Yeah. Very, very chronic handwriting. Michael Pittman, twice convicted and suspended by the NFL for uh, spousal abuse and battery. 
And what does it say? What am I supposed to do with this? Oh, there's just a bunch of little editorials and stuff like the uh, wow. president there. Probably the, uh, here's President Bush testing the strength of the armor. Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers running back Michael Pittman. Now, see, he's picking on your team now, Josh. Well, just pile on. Because Michael Pittman, twice convicted and suspended by the NFL for spousal abuse and battery. No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, re I'm not reading some of this. There's some dirty stuff on here, okay? What do you send me like that, that convenience store? I'm not reading that. Okay. 1,051 votes on the poll, man. That is really impressive. Newsweek features losing Afghanistan in the international edition of the magazine, but guess what? Celebrity photographer in the U.S. They smeared it. I see. The U.S. edition of October 2nd, 2006 issue of Newsweek magazine features a radically different cover story from its international counterparts, according to Raw Story. The cover of international editions aimed at Europe, Asia, and Latin America displays in large letters the title Losing Afghanistan, along with an arresting photograph of an armed jihadi. The cover of the U.S. edition, in contrast, is dedicated to celebrity photographer Annie Leibovitz and is demurely captioned, My Life in Pictures. <laughs> the international cover story begins, You don't have to drive very far from Kabul these days to find the Taliban. In Ghazni Province's Andar District, just over a two-hour trip from the capital on the main southern highway, a thin young man dressed in brown and wearing a white prayer cap, a shmata, stands by the roadside waiting for two Newsweek correspondents. It is midday on the central Afghan plains, far from the jihadist-infested mountains to the east and the west. And by the way, what's wrong with Raghead? Without speaking, the sentinel guides his visitors along a sandy horse trail toward a mud-brick village with the side of the highway. As they get closer, a young Taliban fighter carrying a walkie-talkie and an AK-47 rifle pops out from behind a tree. He's manning an improvised explosive device, he explains, in case Afghan or U.S. troops try to enter the village. That's the international edition. The U.S. cover story begins, Annie Leibovitz is tired and nursing a cold, and she's just flown back to New York on the red-eye from L.A., where she spent two days shooting Angelina Jolie for Vogue. Like so many of her photo sessions, there was nothing simple about it. I talked with Angelina before the shoot, says Leibovitz, who's famous for her preparation. She felt like she was coming back from having the baby, and she felt very sexy and ready to go. There were 50 people on the set and racks of clothes from the New York Spring Collections to be tried and styled it. The story aimed at the U.S. then goes on to discuss the difficulties Leibovitz had in photographing Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes' infant. The international story continues with difficulties of a very different kind. In Ghazni and six provinces to the south and in other hot spots to the east, Karzai's government barely exists outside district towns. Hardcore Taliban forces have filled the void by infiltrating from the relatively lawless tribal areas of Pakistan where they had fled at the end of 2001. Once back inside Afghanistan, these committed jihadist commanders and fighters, aided by key sympathizers who had remained behind, have raised hundreds if not thousands of new local recruits, many for pay. They feed on the people's disillusion with the lack of economic progress, equity and stability that Karzai's government, NATO, Washington, and the international community had promised. NATO officials say the Taliban seems to be flush with cash thanks to the guerrillas' alliance with prosperous opium traffickers. The fighters have paid more than $5 a day, good money in Afghanistan, at least twice what the new Afghan National Army's 30,000 soldiers get. How many thousand? About 30, man. So if you're uh, like living in the real world, like outside the U.S., you get to see what the hell's really going on. And if you live in the U.S., you get to see, uh, you know, more of Brangelina again. Right. And uh, Tom. Huh? The important things, in other words. Right. And Tom Cat. Kitty Cat. Stuff like that. Yeah. Crap, in other words. Here's that thing about the XM, and I told you I don't want to be on there, although the way things are going here, I think I think we got like about another two weeks. Wouldn't you, based on the way things are going? What, the station? No, no, us. The, our, and midday. We're, we're, oh, don't you understand wow. that? Well, when are you going to be man enough to admit we're peeing on their parade? Well, I know that. I've known that for years. We are peeing on their parade, man, and they do not like it. They don't care for it. They're pissed off about it. Enough already. Enough being out of step, man, with a sports fraternity. we got to jump in there, man, and get, get with the game. Get with the ball game. We love the Dolphin. Come on, what do you say? We could, we, it's not too late. 
I think we might be able to still salvage a little something. Where the hell is that? Uh, here it is. I got it. That's it. I, yeah. <laughs> Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. They suck. I mean, when, when Mad Dog is talking about how many pigeon turds are on Danny Culpepper's shoulder, that, that should tell you right there a hell of a lot. Isn't that revealing? Mm-hmm. XM radio hosts join Mirtha Swift voting event. This is enough to make you puke your guts out. The Patriot Project is committed to shedding light on the front groups whose participants operate out of the light of day. However... The swift voting of Americans for exercising his or her right to free speech is just as important. That's why the upcoming event to swift vote Representative John Murtha, which will be held on October 1st, has drawn our attention. This is on the smirkling chimp. The participants are rumored to include the original swift voting man himself, John O'Neill, though he's not been formally announced yet. Vets for Truth is the front group sponsoring this little shindig, but now without some very powerful help. Now it looks like XM radio hosts Quinn and Rose, Jim Quinn and Rose Sama Tennant, are joining in the swift voting fun with the added plus of politicizing our national tragedy, nine, uh, tragedy 9-11 through the outreach of XM Radio. I've got to ask why a decorated Vietnam veteran and senior member of Congress is being swift voted just for speaking out and using his right of free speech. That XM Radio is sponsoring such an event through the publicized appearances of their hosts Quinn and Rose is quite an endorsement. Vets for Truth really scored on this one. By bringing XM Radio into the mix, the Boot Murtha folks ratchet up the swift voting audience quite a bit because nothing reaches out like radio, it says here. After all, Boot Murtha will get a much bigger audience with XM's help, though they've only got satellite radio outreach. Not to worry, Vets for Truth has got that covered, too. Because Quinn and Rose is also carried by Clear Channel, the biggest radio behemoth of them all, through station 104.7 FM in Pittsburgh. Other syndicated hosts on that station have included Glenn Beck, Neil Bortz, and Sean Hannity, as well as Rush Limbaugh. Got the audience? I'll say Vets for Truth really knows how to pick them. XM Plus Clear Channel equals a huge local outreach, but it doesn't stop there. If you don't know the history of Cheap Channel, you might find this blast to the past very educational. You have to wonder if the advertisers on the Quinn and Rose Radio Show know they're helping to host a swift voting rally, and then so you can click on the link. You know if they're helping to host a swift voting rally targeting a decorated veteran. Representative John Murtha has got a lot of support in the veterans community, as well as soldiers currently serving today. If you live in or near Pittsburgh, you might want to call the Quinn and Rose sponsors and ask. It would be interesting to know how the affiliates feel, too, it says, on Smirking Chimp. By Tom uh, Mar- Taylor Marsh. How you like that? Mm-hmm. XM. Good thing we didn't get involved with them rednecks, man. Because that's what it's all about. They want those pickup driving rednecks. They sure don't want to have some fag old Jew atheist on here talking crap on XM. That's for damn sure. 1056 at 560 WQM. How's that meeting coming? Are we get anybody coming with a rundown on the big uh, seminar? Whether we've been sold or not? No. Huh? No. Come on, let's no. go. Inquiring minds want to know. George was all whipped up into a frenzy about it. He says, I think we're all getting paid off, even Josh. Oh, yeah. Told Over, off. I beg your pardon? We're getting told off. Oh, told off. Well, that wouldn't be the first time. Over 21 long years I've been using dry concepts in my homes and wouldn't dream about calling anybody else. You ought to be doing the same, too. And don't forget, your carpeting is even worse than your sink when it comes to being a collector of germs, man. There is schmutz in there that you can't see with the naked eye. You know, in South Florida, people tend to go long periods of time without opening windows, which breeds even on healthier conditions. All that stuff gets in there and it can't get out. More reasons to dry clean your carpets on a regular basis. And don't forget, when you call our friends at Dry Concepts, your carpet lasts longer because by having it dry clean, it stays cleaner longer. It comes out softer, the colors come out looking brighter, and your house smells lemony fresh afterward. What's not to like? And don't forget, they give you a written, guaranteed price up front before they start doing their unbeatable job. And now, Dry Concepts has got a plan to make frequent cleaning easy at a fraction of the cost of regular carpet dry cleaning. Guarantee you, you'll never have a dirty carpet again if you call Dry Concepts. Call them in Broward, 954-370-7778. That's 954-370-7778. And in Dater Palm Beach, call them toll-free, 
1-800-248-5071. That's 1-800-248-5071. Clean today, entertain tonight with dry concepts. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, AM. This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is your brain. Any questions? And you're a despicable, nasty, and invisible, nauseating, odious hag. He's for not embarrassed as you flash your skinny pony ass and skirt that hide your duct tape gas. It's a five sixty WQAM. Dave Johnson writes. I bet you didn't know Dave had a blog, did you? No, not that Dave Johnson. Oh, this one's not Jewish. I see. Authoritarianism and theocracy. Bloggers are sounding a warning. He says. Arianna Huffington writes. Hooray! Good for Bill Clinton. He finally called Fox News and the right wing on their BS. Right? Well, sort of. She says, I'm glad Chris Wallace interview is flying all over the Internet, but I really hope that the one person who will watch it over and over again is Bill Clinton. And then on the fifth or sixth viewing, it might occur to him that the more cover he gives Bush and his cronies, the more they're able to increase and entrench their power, power they use to destroy everything that Clinton purports to stand for. Dave Johnson says there's a fundamental point here. I and many others think that the Democratic leadership has profoundly misjudged the nature and intentions of the conservative movement. John Dean, in his book Conservatives Without Conscience, warns that we're witnessing the rise of an authoritarian government, and Kevin Phillips in American Theocracy warns that the current Republican leadership is intent on bringing about a theocracy. This is not politics as usual. This is what the bloggers are so shrill about. In March, I wrote, maybe, just maybe, they mean the things that they're saying. And I think this is a warning about the extreme things the writer's saying. It is a big part of what political blogging is about. So political bloggers are more likely than others to be visiting websites and forums where right-wingers more openly discuss their ideas are likely to be listening to Limbaugh and others on the radio. And what we're reading and hearing is frightening. The things they're saying to each other are different from what they're saying to the public. The things that they're writing and saying are extreme and violent and subversive. It's not like what we as Americans are used to reading and hearing. The things the Republicans are saying and doing are so extreme that regular people refuse to believe it when you try to warn them about what's happening. Bloggers are trying to warn the public that what's going on in America is different from politics as usual. The bloggers have been trying to get the Democratic leadership and the media to understand this. We're seeing something new to America forming, something dangerous to democracy. The pendulum isn't swinging back. When will the Democratic leadership begin to realize that the extreme things the Republicans are saying might be what they mean to do? The signs are all around us. Take it seriously, says Dave. Watch your backs. How do you like that? And I think that fits right in with the QAM of what's happening here on this radio station, isn't it? Watch your backs, Zach. And your front. And your bottom. That's it. I'd have my eyes on the back of my head, on my left ear, and one on my right cheek, one on my left cheek, one on the bottom of my foot. See, we make sure I don't step in somebody else's mess. You know what I'm saying? What are you saying? Some heavy-duty crap. What are you eating now, by the way? Bacon. Don't tell me it's Howie's? Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, that's one good thing. We always got Howie's to fall back on. Yes, we know do. It. Howie's and Tony's, man. We love them. 
Yeah, you guys can just hang out at Howie's, you know, once we leave in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing about, man. You can smell it. Oh, yeah. Just like that. That's why I just read that article there. The timing is perfect. You can smell it. There's something in the air. A thousand and eighty-five by nine. I noticed Kenny didn't even uh, mention we were coming up. Did you notice that at the end of the show today? No, I did not. Usually very enthusiastically stayed tuned for Neil, you know. Like, and this morning it was just like we, you know, he's like back in Moa. No momentum. I'm sure it was an oversight. No, I don't think so. You can smell it. It's a sports show. I, you can just feel it. A thousand eighty-nine votes on the poll. Who has history been? See, they're really, uh, you think he knows it? I mean, he can't be a stupid guy. I mean, you know him. I don't know him. Yeah. Do you think he knows he's being sandbagged for this sports uh, crap? I, I I don't know if he's put it together yet. I tried no. to warn them, but, you know. Yeah, but what do we know? Right. We're the anti-sports sure. card anyway. I'm sure Clarence has warned them and all those people about us, you know. Mm-hmm. Who has history been most kind to? Ronald Reagan, 493. Boy, what a Nazi bastard. Oh, you can't say that. He was such a wonderful gentleman, and what a great actor, too. <laughs> 493 <laughs> votes, 45 points. And he was married to Jane Wyman, another dikey broad. Yeah. Abe Lincoln, 121. The Pilgrims, 119. You know, it's been so long. Yesterday I was talking about, what was the word? Uh, deciduous? Deciduous, yeah, very good. And the Pilgrims, now let's see, it was John oh. Alder, was it Alan Alda? Huh? The Pilgrims. Katie Couric, Alan Alda. Who were some of the other Pilgrims? John, Joe, old man Joe Kennedy, 79. I'm, I'm serious. When you've been out of school for 100 years, you don't remember all of that crap, the names of those uh, silly people. John Aldrich, uh, Henry Aldrich. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Alan Alda. Henry Aldrich. Yeah, Alan Alda, that's the one. a pilgrim movie I didn't see? What are you talking about? Joe Kennedy, 79. I hate this pull, 49, 4.4%. See, the haymongers are coming. Watch yeah. your back. Watch your back. That's what Hank and Sales told her this morning. He said, boy, you wouldn't believe what's going on back there. Robert E. Lee, 47, Henry Ford, 46, Charles Lindbergh, 39. George believes he killed a kid. Yeah, I did. And I read the book, and I'm pretty sure he did, too. Although I read that book a long time ago. I don't have time to read all those old books. Again, i got new ones i got to catch up on. And if I actually, if I was motivated, highly motivated, I would send, like, all these new books I'm reading right now, i got five of them going. And I would send all those books to Eric to put on our website to replace all those old, stale ones. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to stand there looking in the mirror, shaving. You know, Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Harry Truman, 32. Pope. I wish I'd had a camera. What? That would I was shouting into the mirror. I know. It's a good thing I didn't slice my cheek right off. I was so animated. Well, no, because I got up real early, you know, and I got on that scale, and I saw 196.4, and I thought, oh, my, oh, my God. That Ben and Jerry's yesterday probably wasn't such a good idea. And that, and that wasn't all I had. Oh, God. I had, like, um, trying to think of what they call this thing, a score cone. Oh, I, I had enough stuff yesterday to sink a battleship. I was so aggravated by the time I got done with this crap, yeah, with this, with this place. Good thing you didn't have place. a Marty cone. A Maricone, I've seen a few of those lately, especially here. Harry Truman, 32. Pope Pius XII had About 30, man. 30 Nazis. Henry Kissinger, 13. He's starting to make a little move. He should be doing much better than that. A butcher, a murderer, a liar, a devious, no good. Arthur Godfrey's still stuck there on 12. And that's all 12 of us who remember his ugly ass. Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii. Oh, God. And the Lyndon Johnson LBJ, only 11. I mean, why would anybody vote for him, you know? Right. After all the wonderful things he did, you know, the Civil Rights Movement, Voting Rights mm -hmm. Act of 64. And then, of course, lied about the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which never happened in the first place. And ramrodded the war in Vietnam through and brought all those kids home in body bags. But nevertheless, and of course, is widely now suspected of having been behind or at least a participant in the assassination of his predecessor. But nevertheless, you know, so he made some money in the radio business. What's wrong with that? That's what we're trying to do now, the Beasleys. That's why they're loading up the log in those other day parts. So Kenny hates us now already, huh? That's, that was sure pretty quick. The road, he doesn't the, hate you. The hell he doesn't, man. He never even, he never acknowledged our existence today. 
I'm sure. I listened very, very carefully at the S and he and Bo Camp were actually talking about something other than sports to try to impress you, I guess, there at the end. Yeah, that was, was just it. for me. Did you hear the end there about the, the spear through the ankle? Yeah, and I did. Something I put with, in a special uh, request. And... Angelina Jolie and uh, what she does is go home and uh, wait for Brad and all that, whatever the hell they were talking about. And then he just zipped right on. Thanks for being with us. See you tomorrow. Just shined us. We're, we're used to that, though, Kenny. It's okay. We went through that for years, man. Still managed to do okay. 1,097 votes, man. By another uh, fla- flicker flash or two, we'll have 1,100. And people are thinking, well, what does that mean? That's what they're thinking. As they're underwater cooler, they're saying, you realize Rogers got 1,100 votes already? Isn't that what you think? Oh, what yeah, else are they going to talk about the game last night? Even Josh would tell you right now, there's nothing to talk about in that game. What is there to talk about? Nolan's won. Won? I don't think Atlanta showed up. There were some guys in some flashy red outfits out there, but that couldn't have been the Falcons. Well, nobody was going to beat the Saints uh, last night. And, yeah, and let me tell you, it says to me a lot about a quarterback, you know, all this crap about Michael Vick. It says to me a lot about a quarterback, not that I want to get sports intensive, but when they say uh, if, they, if they can just force him to throw the ball, we'll be okay. They'll win the game. In other words, he can't pass for crap is what they're saying. Isn't that basically what they're saying? That's what they're saying, but don't, you know, don't fall for that crap. Well, that, that's what they were pontificating last night. Well, Joe Theismann can pontificate. Oh, all yeah, you know something? But, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned him. He, that's why I turned it right off. It wasn't bad enough that there was no competition. I mean, every time I turned it on, it was a wider disparity in the score. But he just, he makes Madden seem like he's got laryngitis. Oh, my God. Jam a socket in already, Joe. Christ almighty. And he did go to Notre Dame. What does that tell you? He's got seven strikes against him for, as far as I'm concerned. If he looked like Brady Quinn, I might, you know, but he never did. He, he never even looked good either. Always looked bad, and he always had a big mouth, and he's a moron, Joe Theismann. And who was doing the play-by-play? Don't tell me that that was the guy from ESPN. That's Mike Tirico. That's the new Monday Night Crew. I know, but it didn't sound like him to me. It didn't sound different to you. It sounded like he was in a, a, a phone booth or something. Maybe he was. It didn't even. That, that's the guy who used to do the ESPN games, right? Correct. Well, it is ESPN. Well, what is it on? Uh, see, I'm so confused. I don't even know what Black, network I'm on. but he looks white. Mike Tirico is black? Oh, yeah. He's like the Colin Powell black. No, no, wait a minute. No, I'm thinking of Mike Patrick. Isn't that the guy that used to do the games? Oh, yeah, Heisman? yeah, not Mike Patrick. Dan Patrick. Mike no, Patrick. No, Mike Patrick does the games, but not, not for Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> Who used to do the games? Who did Mo? Come on now. Last year on ESPN, he, who did yeah, the games? Yeah, he used to do the games. He used to do the games with Theismann, right? Correct. Okay, that's why it didn't sound like who I thought. See, I don't know from Mike Tirico. I, I don't even know who the hell that is. He's, he's terrible. He's, he's awful. He's all right. Get out of here. He makes Mike Patrick sound like uh, like uh, Mel Allen, like Red Barber. Get out of here. He's terrible. Weak. You know who he reminded me of? I only watched for like four minutes, like I said. He reminded me of uh, Rich Walsh for the Marlins. Very weak. Weak. If you're going to be a broadcast, you've got to be able to project. You can't be like reading across. That's the first time. First you know, what was that? Speak up, okay? And, then, and of course, that only accentuates the fact that Theismann is talking over him all the time because you can't hear poor Mike away in the background there, you know? Get him out of the back of the broadcast booth. I think it's a racial thing now that you told me that. Don't you? They got him stuffed way back there in the back of the booth. 1,103 votes. Boy, and look at that schmott they had on there. The future of Al-Qaeda. Now, what's wrong with Raghead? I don't see anything wrong with that. We put that in the same category with those other pejorative terms, you know? Like, Absolutely And what's wrong not. with fag? I have no problem with fag. I'm an old fag. I know, right. I know from fag and queer. Hey, queer, you know, like that. But to put that in the same context, like with the N-word, man, I don't see anything wrong with Raghead. Neither. 
And you don't have to be like uh, an Islamic uh, goofball to be a raghead. You can be like That's a right. shmata head. You can be a Hasidic Jew. Sure. Right? The Catholic women wear rags on their heads when they go to church. And then, of course, these old uh, getchkis, whoever the hell they are. That I got some in my building, man. And I, I oh, you have no idea how hard it is to restrain yourself. Because, like, being in Toronto, you've got to be very polite, eh? And I am. You know, restrain yourself hold, from what? I hold the door open something? for people that are like 10 blocks behind me who aren't even coming in the building, although I wish they would. But, uh,. The, the women that got the full the, the full uh, thing on the full burka, oh, the burka. Man. yeah they got just the little slits of the eyes you know oh wow <laughs> and they're slipping their eighty five kids along with them the biggest names the best but don't say Sports Radio five sixty UAM Al how may I be helping you today? Hey. Would you please to be having a blue slurpee? We are having a sale on cameras. We have had about many flavors. I'm afraid that is not feasible. Who can tell you everything? My skin may be brown, but inside I think. Yes, it's true, it's because women in bags. It is only because they smell so bad. You can blame a group reactions of a group, but we don't all drink our wee wee. smell like our boob. Twenty past eleven at five sixty WQAM. See, this is the way I look at it. And that is when somebody, although, you know, in the case of the parents, like uh, with the Orthodox Jews, and they make mm-hmm. their little kids wear the beanies to school and everything, and the other kids are going, ha, 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 Johnny's got a beanie. Oh, his name probably ain't Johnny, you know. Lenny. Lenny's okay. got a beanie. But uh, in that case, you can't blame the kids. You have to blame the parents. But any uh, adult right. who, who, you know, chooses to go out looking like uh, that, you know, like Mo used to say to me, how, how in the hell have you got the nerve to come to work looking like that? With my baggy pants, you know. Right. And then, of course, I thought to myself, talk about the pot calling the kettle uh, pink. Man, just that piece of his, man. I used to, like, try to slide down the side of his forehead. But nevertheless. You know, when I, I left yesterday at 2 o'clock, I was thinking to myself, you know, nobody will ever say that Chris Sims doesn't have balls. Who? When I was sha- huh? When I was shaving this morning. Say, I bet you I scared you there. When I was shaving, yes. I was going to say. Yes, you did. Uh, in addition to screaming into the mirror there about uh, this radio station, I was also thinking to myself, boy, Chris Sims, man, he, he finished the game with a uh, busted spleen. Didn't he, Josh? Yes, he did. So anybody who's not, I didn't, wasn't thinking that at all. Kenny said that this morning before he said that uh, he hated us like poison. I think it's your fault, George. It is. You always do that. You always turn everybody against. Like Mo, I didn't even meet That's Mo. Right. And he already, by the time that I even got to uh, lay eyes upon that, Creature That's the right. first time you had already turned him into a, a virulent enemy. I'm the wedge driver. Yeah. Well, maybe you want to take up golf. Worked for the Tiger. <laughs> Iowa woman, woman founds drowned bat in tea mug. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. A Western Iowa woman is recovering from the shock of finding a drowned bat in her tea mug after she sipped from the cup all day. Oh Jesus! Oh, nasty. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that maybe you might take a look in it? The brown bat, about the size of two tea bags, was found a few weeks ago by a 60-year-old Woodbury County woman, said Chuck Chipperly, an environmental director for the Siouxland Health Office in Sioux City, Iowa. I knew the person, so I knew it was no joke, said Chipperly, who took the call from the woman. 
The woman who had declined to identify herself told Chipperley she found the bat when she was cleaning out the mug at night. She said she put the bat in a plastic bag before alerting the Siouxland Health Office the next morning. Oh. Chipperley said the bat was sent that day, September 1, to the University Hygienic Laboratory in Coralville. Results show the bat didn't have rabbis. Thank God. Thanks God, man. Didn't have no rabbis. Can you imagine that? State epidemiologist Patricia Quinslink said the bat had the bat been rabid, the woman probably would have underwent a series of rabies shots, even though the probability of contracting rabies would be low. She might be feeling might. I mean, can you imagine even? I'd rather not. No, like having Dude. having a big plastic uh, cup of soda, bleh. and you got the straw in there, and you're sucking the soda out there all day. And maybe it tastes a little bit off, you know, a little batty. And then you open up the, you take the plastic lid off the top, and you're looking at it. Here's like a little brown bat. The virus needs a break in the skin to enter the body, said Susan Brockus, state public health veterinarian. Mike Pantella, program manager at University Hygienic Laboratory, said the bat was the first for the lab. We test many, many bats, he said, but none that have drowned in a cup of tea before or in the tea room. Ever see a bat? Yeah, of course. Close and personal? Sure. Well, I mean, of course. They're everywhere. I guarantee if we, if we took a poll out here, uh, most of the people in our audience would not, would not say they've seen a bat. They're close everywhere. And in every state I've ever game. lived... Years and years ago, many, many moons ago, I guess I was in high school, in the summertime, and my father had bought this uh, small apartment building, you know, like half a dozen apartments in it or whatever, and we were like remodeling something. I was helping out in the summertime, and there was a, uh, in one of the bathtubs in one the apartment, there was like a, one of the bathtubs, there was a piece of cardboard in there, and the cardboard was moving. You know what I'm saying? There yeah. was a bat underneath the cardboard. So to make a long story short, I went and I got a two-by-four, and I, man, I'm, I'm telling you, hard to kill a bat. You ever tried to kill one? No, I can't say that I have. Well, see, there you go. I well, killed it, but more, I tell you, you keep slamming on that thing and slamming on it, and, and all the damn cardboard keeps moving around, you know? And finally, bada-bing, I think I gave it one last good, good stuff, and that was the end of that. Bat. Yeah. That was the end of that. Then to my dismay, I took off the cardboard, and it turns out it was Robin under there. <laughs> oh. That would have that broken my heart. Gary Hart says, see, I don't want to read too many of these because we'll get everybody all nervous now and start, like, puking up their uh, bat blood. Gary Hart, the October surprise. Do you see, remember Gary Hart, Donna Rice? I do. It should come as no surprise if the Bush administration undertakes a preemptive war against Iran sometime before the November election, Gary writes. Were these more normal times, this would be a stunning possibility, quickly dismissed by thoughtful people as dangerous, unprovoked, and out of keeping with our national character. But we do not live in normal times, he says. And we don't have a government much concerned with our national character. If anything, our current administration is out to remake our national character into something it's never been. The steps will be these. Air Force tankers will be deployed to fuel B-2 bombers. Navy cruise missile ships will be positioned at strategic points in the northern Indian Ocean and perhaps the Persian Gulf. Unmanned drones will collect target data, and commando teams will refine those data. The latter two steps are already being taken. Then the president will speak on national TV. He will say this. Iran is determined to develop nuclear weapons. If this happens, the entire region will go nuclear. Our diplomatic efforts to prevent this have failed. Iran is offering a haven to known al-Qaeda leaders. The fate of our ally Israel is at stake. Iran persists in supporting terrorism, including in Iraq, and sanctions will have no effect, and beside their for sissies. He will not say, and besides, we need the oil. Therefore, he will announce our own national security and the security of the region requires us to act. Tonight, I've ordered the elimination of all facilities in Iran that are dedicated to the production of weapons of mass destruction. In the narrowest terms, this includes perhaps two dozen targets. But the authors of the war in Iraq have regime change in mind in Iran. According to Colonel Sam Gardner, author of The End of the Summer of Diplomacy, Assessing U.S. Military Options in Iran, 
To have any hope of success, such a policy would require attacking at least 400 targets, including the Revolutionary Guard. But even this presumes the Iranian people will respond to a massive U.S. attack on their country by overthrowing the government. Only an administration inspired by pre-enlightenment fantasy could believe such a notion as this. Embracing this reverie requires believing in the Iranian Ahmed Chalabi, or perhaps even Mr. Chalabi himself, since he's been working both sides of the street in both countries for some time. It doesn't involve much imagination to understand the timing. The U.S. is poised to, without the congressional regime change of its own in November, a political strategy totally based on fear can offer few other options to prevent this. Besides, occupation by Democrats of even one House of Congress in January would make this scheme more difficult, one would certainly hope. Further time for a superpower military conquest may be running short in the emerging age of fourth-generation warfare. The age of Western military ascendancy is coming to an end, writes Andrew Basevich in the Boston Globe, no win. The consequences, the sunny neocons, whose goal has been to become the neo-imperial Middle Eastern power all along, will forecast few, but prudent leaders calculate all the risks, and they are historic. These include violent reactions throughout the Islamic world, a dramatic increase in jihadist attacks in European capitals and the U.S., radicalization of Islamic youth behind a new generation of jihadist leaders, consolidation of support for Hamas, Hezbollah, and Al-Qaeda, and a rapidly spreading malignant network, escalating expansion of anti-American sentiment throughout the world, including the democratic world, and the formation of WW3 battle lines between the U.S., and the urban Islamic worlds. In more rational times, including at the height of the Cold War, bizarre actions such as unilateral, unprovoked, preventative war are dismissed by thoughtful, seasoned, experienced men and women as mad, but those qualities do not characterize our current leadership. For a divinely guided president who imagines himself to be a latter-day Winston Churchill, albeit lacking the ability to formulate intelligent sentences, and who professionally does not care about public opinion at home or abroad, anything is possible, and dwindling days in power may be seen as making the most apocalyptic actions necessary. That's what Jerry Hart says. Yeah. Well, what the hell does he know? Jerry the right biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560 AM. I uh, I guess no. Now is that going to be going on all day? I mean, why what does he do that? Uh, why does he do that? Who's he? Who are we talking about? Who, whoever the guy is that does our uh, stuff there, our production guy, not Tommy, but whoever that other guy is. You know, he, he goes out of his way to make it like real, like a sports radio, mm-hmm. QAA, like, like you know, that's the rejoin, right? Disclaimer, 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 disclaimer. Disclaimer, my ass. So, in other words, now, now, is there like a little red button you can pu- uh, push or something? Like a, uh, yeah, how about a fart sound would be good? Yeah, how about like that? What are we talking about? God.
They just showed uh, them little kids there in uh, Pakistan. They were davening, man. They were rocking back and forth in the madrasas, you know. See, this business about, well, you know, those are Muslims. They believe, uh, they don't believe anything, okay? They're brainwashed. They don't believe crap as far as all that business about, you know, going to heaven and uh, blowing themselves up. Uh, This is, uh, how old would you say those little kids are? Like four or five years old? Maybe less? All right. From the time they're old enough to, like, wipe their ass or yours, or maybe even before that. And they're sitting there, and they've got them all dolled up in those schmatas, and they're uh, reading the same same sick crap over and over and over again. Every single one of these religions, man, it's 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 got nothing to do with education. It's indoctrination, not education. Indoctrination, brainwashing. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. Oh, look at that, Democrat, the likely voters' choice for Congress. Democrats, fifty-five percent. Republicans, forty-two. And there's Clinton with Charlie Rangel having a good laugh. We too care about the security of the country. Well, thank God for that. Isn't that exciting? Really. Let him have it, Bubba. Stick it to him, that fascist Chris Wallace. I bet your daddy's just pinging his cornflakes. He's so upset. Melanie Julie considers herself a committed Jew. This ties right in with that stuff we were just talking about. Look at that. Favorable ratings. Bill Clinton, 60%. George W. Bush, 46%. Remember they were talking this morning before mm-hmm. the show? They were hawking about how other than, other than Laura Bush, I think she's got like 61 or 62%. There is no public figure in America today with a higher uh, approval rating than uh, Clinton. Right. I say, let's get Monica back in there, although she's not looking too good these days. We'll find some other slut for Bubba and get him back in there again. Try another eight years. What do you say? Sure. We'll get a good one for him. Melanie Julie considers herself a committed Jew, but she doesn't keep kosher or observe the Sabbath. Oi! The college student, this is in the Sun Sentinel. The college student has never had her bat mitzvah, a rite of passage into adulthood. Hey, Melanie, you better watch it, sweetheart. It's going to be hot down there, honey. And she almost didn't join a religious club at Florida Atlantic University in Boca because she thought members would press her to attend sh- synagogue, to go to shul. It's not about going to church or temple, said Julie, 22. It's about being a good person. Ah, I think you're a little confused, honey. Good person. When, when the hell did that ever enter into any of it, huh? Right. Good by works alone. You won't get you to the kingdom. I have it all, all that other crap. They always give you that. But works alone. In other words, be That's a good right. person, and you, you probably go to burn in hell. But uh, you can be a miserable murderer. If Hitler would have accepted Jesus on his deathbed, right. Is Julia walking contradiction? Wishy-washy? Confused? Not if you ask many 20-something studies show. Regardless of faith, today's young adults generally don't like attending traditional worship services where their numbers are down. Oh, thank the Lord. All right. And they shy away from labels, increasingly identifying with no specific religion, or if they're Christian, calling themselves non-denominational. Just like they show, we are non-denominational. We're not Jewish, we're not Goyish, we're not Muslim, we're not, we're not uh, anything. We're just non-denominational. Like a lot of shows, right. they're like non-listenable. We're peevish. I beg your pardon? Well, we are now, after Kenny uh, shined us this morning, 10 o'clock. I think he hates you. Maybe. No, he hates me. I, don't, I can't lump you in this one's me. He just really hates me like poison. Yet in conversations and in academic surveys, Generations X and Y still demonstrate an overwhelming belief in God. Feel God! And an interest in how all things spiritual relate to their lives and the world around them, especially since 9-11. And again, I'm going to ask you for the last time, at least today, what is all that spiritual crap about? What, what does that mean? You know how people all hate labels? spiritual. I beg your pardon? People hate labels, so they don't want to be called religious. They like being called spiritual instead. They have an overwhelming belief in God and an interest in how all things spiritual relate to their lives and the world around them. You, you didn't give me no answer. Okay. Did he give me an answer, Josh? No. 
See, he's sitting there thinking, what's this got to do with Chris Simmons' spleen? That's right. it. I'm so worried about him. Oh, he'll be all right. That, that's, that's the bad news is he'll come back in a few weeks. Is the bad news that I'm kind of happy that he's not coming back? No, the bad news is he's coming back. Well, Many reject dogma. Can we get back to this story now? Forget about Chris Sims. Let's leave that to the sports nerd guys, Chris Sims, okay? He stinks. Your team stinks. Let's face it, they suck. And I don't care what you say. There are so many bad teams in that league, man. It's, it's a joke. That came last night. It's a damn good thing they had all that enthusiasm in the Superdome in New Orleans to whoop it up about. Because other than that, man, that was a piece of crap. God. Oh, but you only watched four minutes. That's all I needed to see. Believe you me. non compass weenus, man. Anyway, it says, many reject dogma in large institutions. They're reaching out for personal and convenient ways to find answers. These 20-somethings. They send prayer emails, look for love on jdate.com, join smaller college ministry groups, and help fuel an industry of spiritually inspired books, movies, and music. Spiritually inspired books, movies, and music. Maybe if I could just get into some of those, I wouldn't be such a heathen old bastard and rotten hell. Yeah, we could play some Jesus tunes. Julie, a theater and music major, sings at a local temple, although she doesn't regularly attend services there. She considers volunteering in her community her most important form of worship, and that religious club, Hillel, she's now its president for the second year in a row, learning from a talented rabbi and making friends. She's learning from the Rebbe. About 80, learning what? About 80% of college students say they believe in God, according to a 2005 University of California study, but more than a third of adults, 18 to 29, don't identify with one religion in particular, and another quarter classify themselves as non-denominational Christians, like generic, generic Christians, as opposed to identifying with a group like Baptist or Methodist, etc. This worries some, like Tim Elmore, president and founder of Growing Leaders, a faith-based leadership group in Atlanta. There is a huge number who will say, I want a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, it's like a smorgasbord. What's wrong with having a religious smorgasbord? Nothing. A little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Jesus, and a little bit of soul. Weren't we just playing that the other day, a little bit of soul? Yeah, we were. They've been preached tolerance with a capital T so much that there's no critical thinking going on anymore. It says, having an unexamined okayness with everything can be very damaging. There it is. Okay. The music explosion, baby, and a medley of their smash one-hit wonder. Am I right? As far as I know. Yeah. But rather than moving away from religion, Sarah Quadri, 22 of Davy, that's with a Q, believes today's young adults are moving toward God on their own terms. We want to know why we are praying, not just pray to pray, said Quadri, who is Muslim. I went to a religious convention in Tampa, and the majority of people were university students in their late 20s, early 30s, and they were most, the most intense, writing notes and asking questions. Their aversion to labels is simple. Many do not see religion as a tradition to cut and paste from one generation to the next. They see it as a personal relationship they can tailor to their needs. To me, religion is like a man-made routine, said Uli Fralick Chiardi, 33, a Christian minister to young adults at a skate park run by Calvary Chapel in Fort Lauderdale. Plenty of people attend church, but are they walking the walk? There you go. If you're going to walk the walk, talk the talk, and squawk the squawk, right? Right. Like this one. And an enduring example. Of there you go. There's an enduring example of why to stay away from all that crap. Trust me. It'll rock your brain if you ever had one. 18 till noon at QAM. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. Oh, Absolutely. I'm getting tired of giving money away to all the Christian corporate poor. You can take your God and shove it. Oh! I ain't worshiping him no more. Well, I was a Christian, soldier of God, believer all these years. 
All that time I followed every word of the scriptures written by queers. Catch keys to his powerful calling and all on in a mighty way. Except in 9-11 when he must have been gone on a bus wind holiday. Take your card and shove it. Oh! I ain't gonna worship him no more. Shove the year all right. If you're with us, cause everybody else is wrong. And I'm getting tired of watching people die in the name of an invisible Lord. Take your card and shove it. I ain't worshiping him no more. Take your card and shove it. I ain't worshiping him no more. Where terror threats and the Taliban threat is coming from. You go, honey. Do you want to start? Go ahead, please. <laughs> Well, they're back here with this uh, dog and pony show again with Hamid Karzai. Of course, read the key judgments mm-hmm. on the NIE. Yeah, he read the key judgments on NIE, and they didn't give you all the facts, though. They didn't give you all the facts. Uh, more dog and pony show, more BS. Yes. At least you asked him a good question, though. What about uh, you keep telling us, feeding us this crap? And we're going to do everything in our power to help them eliminate the uh, opium trade there. I, Poppy. In fact, what we're going to do is give the Taliban another $25 million. All right. See if they do as good of a job as they did the first time. Remember we gave them that check? I do. And then four months later, bada-bing. Well... One of those things, man. Sometimes you think things, uh, people are your friend, and they stab you right in the old Rectum. back. Be very like that article I read. Uh, be watch your back, mm-hmm. Zach. Some real heavy duty crap going on. In fact, that meeting uh, you were talking about today, I think it's no coincidence that you were so smitten by it. They have those seminars all the time, but the one all today the time. you took special notice of today. Not particularly. Yeah, the hell you didn't. Wasn't he like hyperventilating about it, Josh? He's on the phone. On the phone with what? I have no idea. No. Oh. Probably making a bet again. Probably got Hanks. Probably got him involved in all that gambling crap. No, not interested in the gambling. No, good. That's good. Don't be doing the overs and the unders and the ins and the outs. Maybe a little in and out, but not over and under. Play a little blackjack when I go to Vegas, but that's about it. No slots. No slots. Speaking of that, oh, and what did I? I guess I don't have it. I had it on the website though, so I'm sure you've seen it because you read those articles. You scour them about how the um, gambling people are like salivating out the prospect of getting rid of Jeb Bush. Yeah, hold your breath. What do you mean by that? Oh, about getting the gambling. Are you starting with that negative crap again? No wonder Kenny yeah. hates you like poison. No wonder. No, I think I think uh, we've had a falling out with them. We don't even know why yet. It's a spark show. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man, it is a panic. You know, it's really something. And what about, oh, maybe because of those numbers, those trends came out yesterday. Maybe that's what that big seminar was about. You think? It was just another sales seminar. Meeting. I don't think so. Jumping I think he was writing down, evil things on the right. chalkboard there, like Joel Feinberg should rot in hell, stuff like that. That's what I heard. That's what I just made up. Republican Charlie Crist. You fairy. Leads Democrat Jim Davis by six points in the latest Sun Sentinel poll on the governor's race. But undecided voters who favor Davis on key issues could grab the contest even closer. It's going to be nip and tuck, baby. It's going to be tighter than a witch's earlobe. With about six weeks, less than six weeks left till the, I bet you it's six weeks from today, isn't it? Today's the 26th. Okay. Look on the calendar. Next week is the 2nd. Am I right? I'd have to flip a page. That's one. The 9th, the 16th, the 23rd, the 30th. Seven, uh, six weeks from today. Only 7% of Florida's likely voters are undecided. Chris and running mate Jeff Kotkamp hmm? would get votes from 49% of those polled. Davis and his running mate Daryl Jones favored by 43%. Other candidates in the race collectively get only 1%. Altogether. What word did you say? I said cock camp. Oh. 
Davis, a Tampa congressman, could make up grounds on Chris, the state's attorney general, by stressing education themes to appeal to undecided independents, blacks, and women. Many of those voters are leaning toward Davis' stance on public school policies, and many black voters, the poll reveals, are energized by Davis' selection of a lieutenant governor running mate who is black, Daryl Jones. There is no question that this race can tighten, and it probably will, said pollster Del Ali. I wonder if he's kin to Muhammad Ali. The real silver lining for Davis is that voters still don't know much about him. His name recognition is low. Only 59% of voters overall say they don't even have an opinion about him. Who the hell knows Jim Davis? I know Butch Davis. Who? Butch Davis. I know Mac Davis. Right, Mac Davis. I don't like him at all, man. I don't no. like Mac Davis. Oh, boy. I don't want to hear his crap. God. Davis has a lot more room to grow for people to view him favorably. Once they view him favorably, they can turn into his voters. And, of course, once the public finds out that Charlie Crist is gay... Oh, not Mac Davis. Oh. <laughs> oh. Those potential votes could come from people like poll respondent Marcia Suarez, 44, a bulky Republican who's undecided. I like Chris. I tend to vote Republican, she says, because they're usually tougher, but I consider a Democrat. They're tougher, baby. Well, they say they are, anyway. <laughs> they're macho, said Marcia. The statewide telephone survey in Sun Sentinel, Maryland. Chris is favored heavily by Republicans, slightly by independents, will be key in the final weeks of the race. Independents comprise a fifth of the likely turnout, and 10% of them are undecided. The rest favored Chris by six points. Black voters, who traditionally align with Democratic candidates, are about 12% of the electorate. 22% of blacks surveyed undecided in the governor's race. And women are favoring Davis by three points, 8% of them unsure. It doesn't really give the a breakdown in the black vote, does it? No. It says, without being told by, oh, it does, without being told by pollsters that Jones, Daryl Jones is black, 56% of black surveys said they're more likely to back Davis for having selected Jones. By comparison, 63% of all Vail voters say the running mate selection doesn't affect their decision. Who cares who's going to be the um, running mate, right? Who gives a crap right. about that? But anyway, they're all whipped up into a frenzy now that we're finally going to get that fat-ass loser Jeb Bush out of there with his dysfunctional family and maybe won't be standing in the way of uh, everything that people vote for and want. Jesus, God Almighty. When are those slots starting already, huh? <laughs> Today is the 26th of September. What is it, about 40 years ago we had an election and the people in Broward said, uh, hey, yeah, let's go for it. And but a beep, but a boop, but a bop, and beep, 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 and yep, pop, 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 and nothing's going on yet. Good golly, slow as molasses, man. Slow as that old, old Brer Bear. Remember Brer Bear? Oh, don't start that again. We're some of the South stuff. Don't, and Brer Rabbit, Tar Brer, Baby. Brer See, oh, again. You're almost as bad as George Allen. Gosh dang it. Almost. But not quite. But who is? 781 votes. We're going to be close to 1,200 by noon. Not quite, though. If I'd have pushed it. Before I go to uh, the remarks by my brother, President Musharraf, terrorism My was, brother, President uh, Yeah, my brother, my ass. They hate each other like poison. Always putting the finger at each other. Of course, Musharraf isn't a uh, Unical oil stooge like Hamid Karzai is, though. But he'd like to be. I and Musharraf's brother isn't uh, one of the uh, drug warlords in Afghanistan. But Musharraf, though, is a dictator. Anyway, speaking of him, the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, remember I had that article about the CIA and the ISI from Pakistan, how they're in bed together and all this other crap? Yes. The U.S. CIA paid Pakistan millions of dollars for handing over more than 350 suspected al-Qaeda terrorists to the U.S., Pakistani President Pervert Musharraf has said. Well, I'll tell you, he's blurting out some heavy-duty crap lately. I'm surprised they haven't offed him yet. You know what? Yeah. Just wait. The assertions come in the military ruler's upcoming memoir in the line of fire serialized in the Times newspaper. That's the Brit Times. The sheriff doesn't reveal how much Pakistan was paid for the 369 al-Qaeda suspects he ordered should be handed over to the U.S. The newspaper said, noting, however, that such payments are banned by the U.S. government. They're illegal, but they did it anyway, of course. 
The newspaper, however, does not print or quote the excerpts which make the allegations. In response, the U.S. Department of Justice official was quoted as saying, We didn't know about this. It shouldn't happen. These bounty payments are for private individuals who have to trace, like a dog the bounty hunter. Right. For private individuals who have to trace terrorists on the FBI's most wanted list, not for foreign governments. Pakistani's leader's claims come after he said last week that former Deputy Secretary of State Richard Armitage had threatened to bomb Pakistan if it didn't back the U.S. in the so-called war on terror in the aftermath of 9-11. Musharraf said it had to be the most undiplomatic statement ever made. Our relationships with international leaders is not something we're prepared to talk about, a CIA official told the Times. <laughs> right. Musharraf also writes that he was so angered by American demands in the wake of 9-11, which he calls ludicrous, that he war-gamed the U.S. as an adversary. There would be a violent and angry reaction if we didn't support the U.S. An excerpt from his book reads, The question was, if we don't join them, can we confront them and withstand the onslaught? The answer obviously was no. no. You want to know why? We would have bombed them into the Stone Church. Age, which is like about a half a step for them. Further into the Stone Age. That is correct. He said that two days after the attacks, the U.S. Ambassador to Pakistan, Wendy Chamberlain, brought to him a set of seven demands, including blanket overflight and uh, landing rights and use of Pakistan's naval ports, air bases, and strategic locations on borders. Musharraf said Pakistan gave no blanket permission for anything. The military leader also says he decided to make the revelations to counter claims that Pakistan hadn't done enough to combat al-Qaeda in the war on terror. And he said, take your blanket and shove it. Here's Hamid Karzai, man. Helping both countries. Another stooge. See, you thought there were only three stooges. Oh, at least you know who two of them are anyway. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. This is Head of Homeland Security, Tom Ridge, advising you to put duct tape on your radio when I raise the warning color to pink for the Neil Rogers 12 to 1 hour. Well, three at five sixty, boy, things just ain't the same since Fat Boy aren't anymore. You know, I think that was the yeah. turning point. That's when we started going. Hi, Tally. South, don't you? Twelve hundred votes on the poll, though. Man, 
If that poll is any barometer, we're the hotter than a witch's uh, nostril. You know what? All right. Fire-breathing show. Too bad Kenny has turned on us, though. It's a sports show. Anyway, former NATO commander Wesley Clark told Kentucky Democrats yesterday that President Bush has been there. Remember Wesley Clark? You ate all those meals at the deli then? I do. didn't help. No. Gornish Telfin, they told him. He said, ah, I'll have another, uh, another corned beef. He said that President Bush has been derelict in his duty as commander-in-chief. How about some good kishka, man? That would do it for you, Wes. Speaking to a gathering at the Kentucky Democratic Party's second annual family day event in Frankfurt, Clark said former President Bill Clinton warned Bush personally during the presidential transition about Osama Yamama. For eight months, Bush did nothing. Nothing. No plan. No action. No diplomacy. No intelligence. No meetings, Clark said. Clark also said Bush has mismanaged Iraq and blocked efforts to impose accountability. No. The truth is the Republicans have got us stuck in a mess and they don't have any way out, Clark said. Democrats have proposed turning over the country to the Iraqis and starting troop withdrawal this year, Clark said. They also support stronger diplomatic efforts in the region and efforts to provide sufficient uh, equipment and armor for the troops, he'd be saying. Clark, who ran for president in 2004, said after a speech that with the elections coming in November, too early to talk about whether he's interested in the 2008 presidential race. His appearance at Family Day began a two-day Kentucky trip during which he'll campaign with candidates for the State House and Senate and congressional candidates as well. Between 750 and 1,000 people attended the event yesterday. State Senator Julian Carroll wasn't deterred by the weather, which kept many people home. He said he used a farm tractor to plow through three feet of water standing in the floodplain between his house and the main road. You can see, you can see evidence of it when you look at the mud right there on my leg, Carroll said, pointing to a brown blotch on his pants. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, there's nothing more dangerous than a politician with a brown blotch on his pants. Like this one. Great Britain. Yeah, there you go. I think that's where he got his. 12.02 on the poll, man. That's pretty heavy duty. If you're just joining us, it's a very important poll. Do you believe me? No. But it's a good one, though, from Sean. Thank you, Sean. Who has history been most kind to? Ronald Reagan, 545. 45.2%. Whatever it is. Ronnie Reagan. Miserable. And, you know, once they ran out of that uh, that Kiwi shoe polish, that's when we never saw him no more. I don't think he had no Alzheimer's at all when he came right yeah, down. Yeah, I forget. They ran out of shoe polish. Ronnie Reagan, 545. Abe Lincoln, 137. Now, wouldn't it have been something if Abe Lincoln could have seen some of those Ronnie Reagan movies instead of that awful play? Maybe he'd have lived. Yeah, he probably would have wanted to die. The Pilgrims, 126. Now, who is it? John, uh, John uh, Aldrich, Priscilla Alden, Aldrin, what is it? Buzz Aldrin. Uh-huh. All of them. No, seriously. Who are the pilgrims? Give me some names. I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. We learned all that crap in school. But, you know, now, see, if they would have just had us rocking back and forth with Oshmatas on, we'd have that emblazoned in our brains forever. Sure. Just like all these poor little Muslim kids, man. And all you parents out there that are indoctrinating and brainwashing your kids with your own particular brand of poison and bull crap, let me tell you right now, don't be pointing at those people, okay? They're no different than you are. They're just snappier dressers, that's all. Yeah, but the Muslims are violent. And the Christians yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what the Pope said. Boy, you talk about backtracking. Holy moly, man. All of a sudden, the Muslims are wonderful. He loves everybody. Oy vey. Yeah, right. Who the hell is he kidding, this freaking Nazi Pope? The Pilgrims, 126. History treated them much too kindly. Old Joe Kennedy, 83. What a crook. I hate this poll, 63. 5.2%. Boy, a lot of hate in the air. I bet you Kenny and Bo voted for that. They hate you. Uh, what did you do to them? Huh? You kept saying it was a sports show or something like that. Oh. Henry Ford, 48. Robert E. Lee, 48. Ever see the two of them together? Not lately. Charles Lindbergh, 44. Not, not only a virulent anti-Semite. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I guess it's not all that interesting, but well, every, everything is relative. You know what I mean? Sure. 
As you look back through history, like Roosevelt, he was a virulent anti-Semite. And you remember the uh, ship to St. Louis and the Nazis, they, they came uh, from Europe and they were desperate. And right. people said, no, don't land here. And then uh, Roosevelt said, get out of here. Remember that? Right. Just like Who's virulent anti-Semite. But everything is judged within its time, like racists. You know, they were all racists. Everything was within its time. Mm-hmm. Which isn't an excuse for it, but that's just, it was the, it was the common practice, you know. Like when uh, George Allen was using the N-word in the South. Everybody else was using it, too. He just lies about it. That's all. Yeah, and it was in the right time, yesterday. Right, last week. Henry Ford, 48, Charlie Lindbergh, who killed his kid, 44, and then put everybody... And then they killed that poor Bruno Hauptmann, man. That's bad. They executed his ass. I know. Who wrong. do you think was more guilty, Bruno Hauptmann or the uh, Rosenbergs? Or Molly Goldberg? Or the Bilderbergers? Harry Truman, 36. Oh, build a better burger. That's what I'm working on. Pope Pius the 12, 31. Henry Kissinger, 16. Should have a lot more. Arthur Godfrey, 14. He finally got a couple more. Probably some of the Orthodox. And Lyndon Johnson, only 12. Spelled wrong, by the way. L-Y-N-D-O-N. But that's what happens when you give an assignment to, uh, you know, George. Mm-hmm. Lyndon, L-Y-N. Like in Barry Lyndon, man, with Ryan O'Neill. Wasn't he in Barry Lyndon? I didn't see it. Thank mm-hmm. God. I don't, like, I don't like Ryan O'Neill. Okay. I saw a love story. It was pretty <laughs> boring. Ray Milland was in it, though. He played bald-headed daddy. You notice how daddies in those movies generally are the bastards? Yeah. And that's probably because it's true, you know. Now, if there's going to be one parent, you know, of the two that's generally a real hard-hearted bastard, it's usually the father. Usually. Yeah, I can speak from experience. And then again, in your case... It was both. <laughs> See, if you would just tell Kenny that, maybe he wouldn't hold such a grudge against you. Ian Urbina, the New York Times writes, officials are wary, officials wary of electronic voting machines. Urbina... A growing number of state and local officials are getting cool feet about electronic voting technology, and many are making last-minute efforts to limit or reverse the rollout of the new machines in the November elections. When you vote this uh, next month, folks, month and uh, six weeks, whatever it is from today, make sure you're voting on a good machine. In fact, just pretend you're in Vegas. Pretend you're in a casino and say, hey, listen, I want to vote on the good machine, man. I want to register to vote the way I uh, intended, not the way somebody else wants it, some right-wing Nazi. Less than two months before voters head to the polls, Governor Robert J. Ehrlich Jr. of Maryland this week became the most recent official to raise concerns publicly. Mr. Ehrlich, a Republican, said he lacked confidence in the state's new $106 million electronic voting machine and suggested a return to paper ballots. That's what they do in Canada, by the way, paper ballots. I'd like that. Good. Old-fashioned, but you know what? Works every time. And not only that, but when you finish voting, you know who you voted for. Dozens of states have adopted electronic voting technology to comply with federal legislation in 2002 intended to phase out old-fashioned lever and punch card machines after that hanging chads crap in Florida after the 2000 election when Bush stole Florida and stole the country and stole our whole uh, everything. He stole it. But some election officials and voting experts say they fear that the new technology may have only swapped old problems for newer, more complicated ones. Their concerns became more urgent after widespread problems with the new technology reported this year in primaries in Ohio, Arkansas, Illinois, Maryland, and elsewhere. This year, about a third of all precincts nationwide are using electronic voting technology for the first time, raising the chance of problems at the polls as workers struggle to adjust to the new system. I think there's a good reason for concern heading into the midterm election, said Richard Celeste, Democrat and former Ohio governor, was chairman of a, co-chairman of a study of new machines for the National Research Council with Dick Thornburg, Republican and former governor of Pennsylvania. You have to train the poll workers, Celeste said, especially because many of them are of a generation for whom this technology is especially a challenge. In other words, they're older than Methuselah, especially in Florida. Methuselah's grandparents are likely to be the poll workers for you. They schlep them in. They have to bring their walkers with the wheels on in for them so they can get to the uh, right spot. 
Paperless touchscreen machines have been the biggest source of consternation, and with about 40% of registered voters nationally expected to cast their ballots in these machines in midterm elections, many local officials fear that the lack of a paper trail will leave no way to verify votes in case of fraud or computer failure. It's like when you go to the toilet, baby, you better leave a paper trail. As a result, states are like that guy with a brown blotch on his pants. As a result, states are scrambling to make last-minute fixes before the technology. Oh, yeah, I'll bet they are. Before the technology's got its biggest test in November, when voter turnout will be higher than in the primaries, many races will be close, and the threat of litigation will be ever-present. Richard Hazen, professor at Loyola Law School in L.A., found election challenges filed in court grew to 361 in 2004, up from 197 in 2000. What you have coming up is the intersection of new technology and an unclear legal regime, he said. No, we've got a clear regime, all right. It's a Nazi regime. That's the problem. A fascist regime. And there's no way to get rid of it because, you know, we keep voting over here and they keep sticking it over there. You know what I mean? What do you mean? You keep putting the point around one spot and they keep sticking it someplace else all the time. Rectum. That's right. Just like uh, Chris Jones there in sales. 1,225 votes on the poll. I think we got a, uh, oh, yeah. We could do 14 today, you think? Sure. sure. Go ahead. That's how many listeners Joel's got over there. Midday's about 14. The biggest names of best I think, Joel, it won't happen again anytime soon. Trust me. Radio 5, Never again. Well, did you hear about the Muslims and what they've done? They set fire to some churches. They shot and killed a nun. They say they're not really violent. They say they're not really mean. All those Muslims are mad at Benedict Sixteen. Benedict Sixteen. What did he say to make those Muslims so angry and act that way? Maybe it's because he's from Germany. He ties his shoes in little Nazis. Benedict 16. Now they're protesting in Cashmere. They're all going insane. Prophet Mohammed, they say the Pope defamed. All over the Middle East, they're burning effigies. All those Muslims are mad at Benedict XVI. All those Muslims are mad at Benedict XVI. Funny past no, man. He's backtracking heavy duty. Don't trip down in nice red slippers. That would be bad. I got a long commentary about Keith Olbermann, but I better not read it. It's too long. Uh-oh. Where he says Bush is a coward. Yeah. Textbook definition of cowardice, commenting on Bill Clinton's Fox News interview. Should I read it? It's too long. I, I think you should read it. Josh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no wonder Kenny hates us like poison, huh? What's this got to do with Chris Sims and his uh, spleen? Aren't you thinking about that a lot? Who? Yeah, I'm hoping that he doesn't come back. Yeah, exactly. You're not thinking that he's got a big pair, are you? You think that he sucks. And you know what? You've got a good point. And his daddy, you know something? I think they ought to take that spleen out and stick it in daddy's mouth. Shut him up a little bit. Man, oh, man. That'd be a good poll someday. Who's the biggest motor mouth of all of them? But they're all motor mouths. Joe Namath, John Madden, who I used to like until this season, Biesman, but he's just out of control. Biesman, huh? you mean, yeah. Who did I say? 
Name it. Oh, him also. Yeah, well, Joe Theismann, but he should, could, could sure play. Joe Theismann, uh, John Madden, Denise Potvin, Phil Sims. Oh, my, there's so many. So Chris many Collinsworth. Ooh. Ooh, evil. There's an evil one. <sighs> when do we got to get, is he going to be on with Ira doing a, a basketball football segment pretty soon? Oh, just good. wait for it. Wait for it. I'm sure it's going to be sponsored, too. That'll be good. At least they're selling something, man. It's the other 20 hours. They're not selling this show. Keep it up that way. That way we stay out of your hair and you stay out of ours. Just keep the checks coming. That's what I was screaming as I was shaving this morning in the mirror. Just keep the checks coming. Leave me alone. That's all. Leave us alone. We've done our thing. You know what I mean? I've done my thing 30 years. Now if we get, like, one share. Let, let them worry about the rest of the day, okay? Let the morning show get a 10 share. Let the guys in the afternoon get the big numbers in there, the mad dog and the humper. Let, let, them, let them hold up their end of it, okay? I'm an old, old man, like Joel would say, with a real sore back. It isn't sore yet, but once, you know, once they start uh, falling on me, depending on who they are. Keith Olbermann said, now, if you would have gotten me reading this, I'd be done with it already. It's, oh, it's, it's long. It's too long. Stop distracting him, Josh. Page after page. Yeah, he's talking as Chris Sims crap and trying to distract me about the uh, uh, camper said something about faggots. A textbook definition of cowardice by Keith Olbermann. The headlines about them, of course, are entirely wrong. It's not essential that a past president bullied and sandbagged by a monkey posing as a newscaster finally lashed back. It's not important that the current president's portable public course has described his predecessor's tone as crazed. Our tone should be crazed. The nation's freedoms are under assault by an administration whose policies can do as much damage as al-Qaeda. The nation's marketplace of ideas is being poisoned by a propaganda company so blatant that Tokyo Rose would have quit. Nonetheless, the headline is this. Bill Clinton did what almost none of us have done in five years. He has spoken the truth about 9-11 and the current presidential administration. At least I tried, he said, of his own efforts to capture or kill Osama. That's the difference in me and some, including all the right-wingers who are attacking me now. I had eight, uh, they, they had eight months to try. They did not try. I tried, he said. Well, we already heard that. Still got the tape, by the way. It's on here somewhere. Ask plenty of questions. You uh, didn't ask that, did you? Tell the, the truth, Chris. Chris. Tell the truth, Chris, you lion sack, you fox flunky. Thus, in his supposed emeritus years, Mr. Clinton has taken forceful and triumphant actions uh, for honesty and for us. Action as vital and courageous as any of his presidency. Action as startling and as liberating as any by anyone in these last long five years. The Bush administration did not try to get Osama bin Laden before 9-11. The Bush administration ignored all the evidence gathered by its predecessors. The Bush administration did not try to understand the daily briefing entitled Bin Laden Determined to Strike in the U.S. The Bush administration did not try. Moreover, for the last five years, one month and two weeks, the current administration, and particularly the president, has been given the greatest pass for incompetence and malfeasance in American history, writes Keith. President Roosevelt was rightly blamed for ignoring the warning signs, some of them 17 years old before Pearl Harbor. President Hoover was correctly blamed for, if not the Great Depression itself, then the disastrous economic steps he took in the immediate aftermath of the stock market crash. Even President Lincoln assumed some of the measure of responsibility for the Civil War, though uh, Southern secession had begun as early as 1832. But not this president. To hear him bleat and whine and bully at nearly every opportunity, one would think someone else had been president in 9-11 or the nearly eight months that preceded it. That hardly reflects the honesty nor manliness we expect of the executive. But if his own fitness to serve is of no true concern to him, perhaps we should simply sigh and keep our, our fingers crossed uh, until our, gro- our grown-up takes the job three Januaries from now. See the right-hand margins missing again on it? I hate I that. Well, but at least it shortens it up a little bit. After five years of skirting even the most inarguable of facts that he was president of 9-11 and he must bear some of the responsibility for his and our unreadiness, Mr. Bush has now moved unmistakably and without conscience or shame toward rewriting history and attempting to make the responsibility entirely Mr. Clinton's. Of course, he's not honest enough to do that directly. 
as with all other nefariousness and slime of this, our worst presidency since James Buchanan, he's having it done for him by proxy, thus the sandbag effort by Fox News Friday afternoon. Consider the timing. I think I should break at that point, because it's long, man. Okay. It's about 600 pages on and we could on. Play the audio, you know. Could. But keep to it. Should we do that? If you want, I'll load it up during the no, break. Maybe that'll start all over again. Gee, we wouldn't want that. That would kill no, even I, more time. I don't want to kill time, okay? I want to save the world. Okay. <laughs> you believe me? No. no. Oh. No, I don't want to start all over again. Uh, that would, I, that's a tune-out. That would be like putting on that damn uh, Hurricane FSU crap. You know something? This it was just dawning on me yesterday when I was thinking about Chris Simmons' spleen. Yeah. And this trend doesn't even reflect the day that we just we gave away. The day we gave away, we said to everybody else in the market who has a commercial radio station, here you guys go, we're shutting off for 24 hours. Overwhelmingly, the audience has said, are you people crazy? A 24-hour tailgate party with those awful hurricanes who lost the game anyway? To like a, a marginal, uh, not a little girl's team, like maybe a, an adolescent girl's team. Would that be fair for FSU, Josh? A young lady's team. Yeah, this year, okay. Yeah, pretty weak. 24 hours! And we're the, keep in mind, we're the bad guys, because we don't want to be a party to that crap. We're the bad guys. We're the evildoers. We're the ones who are always peeing in the soup. Us. Me. You guys. Because we absolutely are hard asses, and we refuse to go along with the pogrom. That, that's it. That's what it boils down to. That's why in a couple of weeks, we're all going to be on the outside looking in. Chris Moore is coming back to do middays in two weeks. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. Nobody's ever suggested that the attacks of September the 11th uh, were ordered by Iraq. There's something slimy and sinister in business class. Yeah, yeah, we know. Something evil and venomous. All right, we know. Something so terrifying. It's yeah, we get it. Snakes. Ooh. No, it's John Mark Carr on a plane. Yes, I get it. It was an accident. Here it is. More champagne, please. John Mark Carr on a plane. Now showing on every cable news channel. 1232, 28 till 1. We got Mad Dog coming up at 2 o'clock. Don't forget that big power hour, baby. 4 to 5, Mad Dog and the Humper together in stereo. Well, I bet you that takes a big cheer, you know. Humper between 5 and 6.30, and then we got the Marlins and the Reds, followed by the Eddie Kaplan Show. That's our award-winning lineup. And don't forget Kenny and Bo in the morning, who uh, hate us like boys. Not Bo, but Kenny. And, I, and only you would know why. Okay. Anyway, can I get back to Keith's article? Now, do you want to play it? Oh, now you tell me. What? You know how long it takes to load this thing? Why is that? Why? We've I can load it in like 20 seconds. So in other words, you're not going to play it? Well, the reason I say that is because the right-hand margin on mine, I, and I don't have time to print this whole thing out again. It's long. Let's see how long it loads. How long it takes. How long it loads? How long it takes to load. About this long. How long is the load? This is a great commentary. And then against Keith Olbermann, who is beloved by our audience and who does a much better job of reading from the teleprompter on uh, MSNBC than I'm going to do sitting here, hunched over like some old uh, Jew fag hunchback, you know. Are you going to? Are you loading it? Yeah, I didn't go in anywhere. Before that, they had to take a look at Tom Brady there in his jockstrap on our MySpace.com page. So that's from Saturday Night Live. How the hell did I miss that? That must be old, huh? It ain't going to play. So keep reading. It's not going to play. It's not going to play. Well, why not? Because it's a piece. What have you of crap. got? Some kind of a horseball computer there? Yeah. Well, no. It wants me to load some software for where uh, it's hosting it from. So. Oh my God. 
After five years of skirting even the most inarguable of facts that he was president on 9-11 and must bear some responsibility for his and our unreadiness, Keith Olbermann says, Mr. Bush has now moved unmistakably and without conscience or shame toward rewriting history and attempting to make the responsibility entirely Mr. Clinton's. Of course, he's not honest enough to do that directly, as with all the other nefariousness and slime of this, our worst presidency since James Buchanan, he's having it done for him by proxy. Thus, the sandbag effort by Fox News Friday afternoon. Consider the timing. The very weekend, the National Intelligence Estimate would be released and show the Iraq war to be the fraudulent failure that it is, not a check on terror, but fertilizer for it. The kind of proof of incompetence for which the administration and its hyenas at Fox need to find a diversion and a scapegoat. It was the kind of cheap trick which would get a journalist fired, but a propagandist promoted. Promised to talk of charity and generosity, but instead launched into the lies and distortion which the authoritarians among us attack the virtuous and reward the useless. And don't even be professional enough to assume the responsibility for the slanders yourself. Blame your audience for emailing you the question. Mr. Clinton responded, as you've seen. He told the great truth untold about this administration's negligence, perhaps criminal negligence, about bin Laden. He was brave, and Chris Wallace might be braver still. Had I in one moment surrendered all my credibility as a journalist and been irredeemably humiliated as he was, I would have gone home and started a new career selling seeds by mail. The smearing by proxy, of course, didn't begin Friday afternoon. Disney was first to sell out its corporate reputation with the path to 9-11. Of that company's crimes against truth, one needs to say little. Simply put, someone there enabled authoritarian zealots to belt out Mr. Bush's new and improved history. The basic plot line was this. Because he was distracted by the Monica Lewinsky scandal, Bill Clinton failed to prevent 9-11. The most curious and in some ways the most infuriating aspect of this slapdash theory, including the right-wingers who have advocated it, who try to sneak into our collective consciousness through entertainment or who sandbag Mr. Clinton with at a news conference, have simply skipped past its most glaring flaw. Had it been true that Clinton had been distracted from the hunt for Bin Laden in 98 because of the Monica Lewinsky nonsense, why didn't some of these same people applaud him for having bombed Bin Laden's camps in Afghanistan and Sudan August 20th of that year, for mentioning Bin Laden by name as he did? That day, Republican Senator Grahams of Minnesota invoked the movie Wag the Dog. Republican Senator Coates of Indiana questioned Mr. Clinton's judgment. Republican Senator Ascroft of Missouri, the future Attorney General, echoed Coates. Even Republican Senator Arlen Specter questioned the timing. And, of course, where a true Clinton had been distracted by the Lewinsky witch hunt, who on earth conducted the Lewinsky witch hunt? Who turned the political discourse of this country on its head for two years? Who corrupted the political media? Who made it impossible for us to even bring back on the air the counterterrorism analysts like Dr. Richard Haas and James Dunnigan, who had warned at this very hour on this very network in early 1998 of cells from the Middle East who sought to attack us here? Who preempted them in order to strangle us with a trivia that was all the Monica all the time? Who distracted whom? Who did Mo? This, of course, where, as is inevitable, Mr. Bush and his henchmen proved not as quite as smart as they think they are. The Full responsibility for 9-11 is obviously shared by three administrations, maybe four. But, Mr. Bush, if you're not trying to convince us by proxy that it's all about the distraction of 98 and 99, then you'll have to face a startling fact that your minions may have hidden from you. The distractions of 98 and 99, Mr. Bush, were carefully manufactured and lovingly executed not by Bill Clinton, but by the same people who got you elected president. Thus, instead of some commendable acknowledgement that you were even in office on 9-11 and the lost months before it, we have your sleazy and sloppy rewriting of history designed by somebody who evidently read the Orwell playbook too quickly. Thus, instead of some explanation for the inertia of your first eight months in office, we're told that you have kept us safe ever since, a statement that might range anywhere from zero to 100% true. We have nothing but your word, and your word has long since ceased to mean anything. And, of course, the one time you've ever given us specifics about what you kept us safe from, Mr. Bush, you got the name of the supposedly targeted tower in Los Angeles wrong. Thus it was left for the previous president to say what so many of us have felt, what so many of us have given you a pass for in a month and even the years after the attack. 
You did not try. You ignored the evidence gathered by your predecessor. You ignored the evidence gathered by your own people. Then you blamed your predecessor. That would be a textbook definition, a definition Mr. Bush, of cowardice. To enforce the lies of the present, it's necessary to erase the truths of the past. That was one of the great mechanical realities Eric Blair, writing as George Orwell, gave us in the book 1984. The great philosophical reality he gave us, Mr. Bush, may sound as familiar to you as it has lately begun to sound familiar to me. The party seeks power entirely for its own sake. We're not interested in the good of others. We're interested solely in power. Power is not a means. It's an end. One does not establish a dictatorship to safeguard a revolution. One makes the revolution in order to establish the dictatorship. The object of persecution is persecution. The object of torture is torture. The object of power is power. Earlier last Friday afternoon, before the Fox ambush, speaking in the far different context of the closing session of his remarkable global initiative, Mr. Clinton quoted Abraham Lincoln's State of the Union address from 1862. We must disenthrall ourselves. Mr. Clinton didn't quote the rest of Mr. Lincoln's sentence. He might well have. We must disenthrall ourselves, and then we shall save our country. And so has Mr. Clinton helped to disenthrall ourselves and perhaps enabled us, even at this late and bleak date, to save our country. The free pass has been withdrawn, Mr. Bush. You did not act to prevent 9-11. We don't know what you've done to prevent another 9-11. You have failed us, then leveraged that failure to justify a purposeless war in Iraq, which you have all too soon claimed more American lives than did 9-11. You have failed us anew in Afghanistan, and now you've tried to hide your failures by blaming your predecessor. And now you exploit your failure to rationalize brazen torture, which doesn't work anyway, which only condemns our soldiers to waterboarding, which only humiliates our country further in the world, and which no true American would ever condone, let alone advocate. And there it is, Mr. Bush. Are yours the actions of a true American? Fairly a marginal did reading. Did I really? Yes, you did. Well, considering that half of the article is chopped off on the right hand line. I know I should have done it on, uh, what you call it, on Firefox. Firefox. Printed it sideways, upside down, backward. You can have them both open, you know, and just use one for one thing and the other for the other thing. Well, I don't want to do all of that, okay? I don't want to keep them both open. How do you like that? All right. Mr. Smarty Pants, Mr. Computer Expert. My pants are very smart. Well, I saw the brown splotch. Probably when you walked by that sales meeting this morning. Saw Chris Jones in there. Hey, maybe he's one of your neighbors up there in North Carolina. He might be. Could be. He's down here now. Sounds like one of your kind of crowd. 1289 we got, man. And, of course, like I said, he's picking up right where his predecessor left off. Uh, hide and seek. He did not uh, stick his head in, uh, like, last hour. He, but I told him well, did you later. chop it a little bit? I chopped it. Did you put, it in, the, did put it in the guillotine? We're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to have the Neil Rogers guillotine. If it was good enough for them frogs, man, it's good enough for us. If it was good enough to chop Marie Antoinette's head off, let's start chop, chop. That's right. Just like Mo, huh? We only had that guillotine a little bit sooner. 1,290 votes. 1,290 WGVA. 12, what is 1,290? 1,290 was at the J&O? I think J&O was 1,290, or was. Boy, oh, boy, those were the days. 31 years ago, May 1975, that year in West Palm Beach, un- never to be forgotten. Do you know I broadcast West Palm Beach Expos baseball, Josh? Do you know that? I did not know that. Yes, I did. Had some pretty good interviews, too, for my uh, sports show. I had uh, Milo Hamilton in there, despised by many. I thought he was a pretty good guy. Chuck Thompson, the late Chuck Thompson, the great Chuck Thompson, voice of the Orioles and Washington Senators 100 years ago. Boy, he was good. He was a really great broadcaster, Chuck Thompson. See, the good people are the dead people. <laughs> Isn't that what the Dom Delaware said? Now, did you see Fatso or did I dream that? No, oh, yeah. You said that to me. That was good, that. huh? Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. A lot of crying. <laughs> but very funny. Yeah, but I now like you that understand some, some of the drop-ins. Like, Get the honey, Junior. And especially... You ate the Oni! Yeah, that I was a little confused about. Yeah. Well, well, it was Anthony, and he ate the uh, Oni. He ate the Oni. Yeah. O-N-Y. Well, it was a big big chunk. Big piece of cake. Well, that sounds good. Don't no, let me go in today. No. Not unless it's meat cake. Ate my, and I'm going to sue these bastards, man. 196.4. I haven't weighed that much in years. Ages. 
My weight stays basically between like 188, 193, which, you know, it's not great. But for me, that's not so bad for a fat old turd. But didn't you, know you say Monday you were 190? Now, what did you drop? Like, gain six pounds in a day? No, not, not this past Monday I wasn't 190. Maybe you're thinking last, late last week. No, not this Monday. Maybe Friday. Oh, hey, listen, I had enough yesterday to fill up a bathtub, okay, including that pint of Ben & Jerry's Coffee Toffee Crunch. And you know something? It wasn't even good. It wasn't even good. Isn't that usually the way it works? Well, I'm so depressed about this place, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm thinking to myself, stop already. Just take the paycheck, okay? You got them on a potty train now. They send it early. <laughs> no, seriously, I told you back in January, man, you can't fool this old queen. I'm telling you right now, I can smell this crowd from a mile away. I know what they're up to. The best thing, the best news that they can give you right now is for Joe Bell to walk in there at 2 o'clock and say, here's a big check for everybody. Neil's getting his buyout where we just sold the place, okay? Good luck to all you guys. Going to pay off Josh on his contract? Yeah. Hey, um, Eric put that Keith Oberman thing up. Nice going, Eric. God bless Eric, okay? Instead of listening to me bumble and fumble through. In fact, I'll even watch it myself. And hear our real great, uh, he's got that great stentorian voice. He, I, I, Keith Oberman's just fabulous. I never really, I never really uh, knew he had it in him, you know? It's times like these that bring out the best in people. Or that is worst. correct. These are the times that try men's souls. What were you going to say? Holes. Oh. 12.43 at QAM. Hey, listen, these are also like it's the middle of hurricane season, baby. It may only be September 26th, but we've got a long way to go. We've got all of October and into November. So don't count your chickens before they hatch. It's time you took the stress and worry out of last-minute hurricane preparations, which so many people get caught short doing, like during Wilma. The hurricane shutter outlet manufactures easy-to-use accordion shutters, and now they provide you with expert installation, too. Call them at 954-237-7083 and get the protection for you and your whole family that you ought to have. They feature roll-downs, accordions, panels. Just let the hurricane shutter outlet custom make or even install those shutters for you. Call them right now, 954 954- 237-7083 and get on your way to top-notch protection. The Hurricane Shutter Outlet is family-owned and operated. They are licensed, insured, and Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County approved. They stock all sizes of clear polycarbonate hurricane panels and aluminum panels. Cut to your specifications are ready for pickup or they'll deliver them to you. And like I said, if you want to leave them, install them for you. The public and all contractors are welcome. Major credit cards accepted. And when you call or stop by, be sure and mention Old Neil because if you tell them that Neil sent you by, you'll get 100 bucks off on a minimum order of 350 square feet. What's not to like? Hurricane Shutter Outlet. Call 954-237-7083 or just log on to their website, hurricaneshutteroutlet.com. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560 QAM. This is Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're listening to the Hockey Authority, Neil Gott. Patricia McGillicuddy is a real Geico customer, not a paid celebrity. So to help tell her story, we hired an actual celebrity, Mr. Mel Gibson. I was on my way to Sunday dinner with the family when I accidentally hit a cow. I wonder if it was a Holstein cow. Hey, Holstein sounds Jewish. I called Geico, expecting to get a recording, but someone was there to help me. You know something? Jewish cows cause... Most of the accidents in the world. Geico got my claim in the works right away, and I was actually able to enjoy dinner. And the main course was ham. Lots of ham, baby. You know, my father always told me not to trust anyone who doesn't eat ham. Geico. Real service, real savings, real insane celebrities. I got news for a man. On Yom Kippur, I'm eating a triple bacon cheeseburger, so I better lose that weight this week. Yom Kippur's what, Saturday? Shabbos? I don't know. Friday night? Well, it's got to be a week after Rosh Hashanah, maybe. It's got to be uh, Friday at sundown. If you say so. That's what we're saying. So, uh, Chris Jones, our sales mangler, popped his head in the door, and you said what before you slammed it real hard? 
Well, the show was in progress, uh, you know, so he came in and, uh, like, you know, he was responding to my note, and I said... Well, I know what he said. Sales people are isoles. Yeah. I said, it's too late now, for today, anyway. Well, what do you mean it's too late? Well, you're not going to have a I conversation. I was only here, like, at a quarter at a quarter to uh, eight this morning. It's right. late. But it's too late now, when he popped his head in. That's what Carolyn King said, too. It's too late. You're not going to make me play Didn't that. Did she also you? say Sweet Seasons? Yeah, all those things. Carol King? Boy, she was ugly. She had like a uh, horse face. She still is. Is she really? But she made some good music, though. Yes, she did. Hey, listen, you can't make good music and look good, too. I mean, that's it's, it is written. So it is written. I don't know who wrote it, but let's face it. There aren't that many hot-looking recording artists, are there? Uh, not a lot, but there are some. Shakira. Yeah, well, now we're talking. Shania Twain, she ain't exactly, uh, you know. She's hot. Yeah, she's good. What about what's her name, that cutesy little Canadian girl? Avril. Alpha Lavigne. I like Sounds Avril. Jewish to me. She has she's not. smoking hot. I mean, one of these days she might make some music. I said singers. What? Linda she's a singer. She's a singer like her sister's a singer. And I think that that was a shot. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jessica. Hey, listen, I don't hold it against her, and I wish that Nick wouldn't have. God, who cares about him, man? He is so old, man. Now that I've discovered James Franco, and I got, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you know, what I should do if I had any balls at all, which I don't. I would take that, it's it's a set of like six DVDs, that Freaks and Geeks thing. I would take that and put it in a garbage bag and put it down the garbage chute here. I, I don't want to have it. I don't want to be in possession of it. I don't want to know about it. You could. Why didn't you warn me about that? I didn't know from it. It's it's exactly what it says, Freaks and Geeks. I don't want to see a bunch of little Robert Grieber geeks, you know. Plus, he don't uh, look all that good in there anyway. Nine. Yeah, nine geeks. God. So anyway, Chris Jones popped his head in there and said, uh, "Leave me alone." No, listen. Here's my advice. I'm, I'm sing it on the ear, not off the ear. I want the audience. I want the audience to right, hear good. it also. Go on record. They're my witness. The next time, that's right. I, they can bear my witness or bear whatever they want. The next time, Joe Bell or Chris Jones pops their head in the door and says, uh, "What's up?" Just and here's the response. Neil says, "Just keep the checks coming." That's it. All right. No complaints. Everything is great. Okay. Everything is sensational. That's fine. Right, that's right. Just tell him. Oh, we're fine. And don't forget, the last guy to say that was Dan Stewart. Oh, we're fine. And now he's dead. I, I can't believe he's dead. Why not? I, I don't know. He was a young guy. Sure, happens to them too. How old did you say he was? Like forty something, maybe forty. Forty something. Early forties. A little older than me, a couple years. Wow. And now he's dead. Mm-hmm. And that's because he came in here and talked that crap about Josh Morrow there. That's he right. Don't look that good anymore. Karma. Yeah, and just like the same crap with, uh, you know, like I told you about the Lord man smiting uh, Joe Kennedy. That's why he had that massive stroke. Although they still were able to fix the election in uh, in West Virginia in the primaries and the one in Illinois in the general election. All those dead people that voted in Chicago. You do know that's how Kennedy got elected in 1960, don't you? Yes, I do. Well, I good. Saw that movie. In but the... I guess now the Republicans are playing catch-up, boy. And, boy, when they get even, they get even and then some. A car dealership in Ohio. See, the Pope started a whole simus here now. I wonder if the Pope eats carrot simus. A car, uh, a, carrot, a car dealership in Ohio has decided not to run a commercial proclaiming a jihad on the U.S. auto market, a Muslim activist group said yesterday. Not a good idea. The Ohio chapter of the Council on American-Islamic Relations released a letter from the dealership offering an apology and saying the radio ad, which had never been aired, was a misguided attempt at humor. We appreciate the dealership's constructive reaction to feedback about the proposed ad, said Adnan Mirzra, director of the group's Ohio's office. We accept the apology and hope that it and the decision not to wear the spots will bring this incident to a close. In other words, please don't bomb us. 
The statement from the dealership, I'm not going to read the name of the dealership in Columbus, said a large number of people have contacted us. A lot of them have seen the humor we were trying to convey, but far too many were clearly bothered by it. This was simply an attempted at humor that fell short. Two employees at the dealership said they had been deluged with calls about the commercial. <laughs> it also offered a sincere apology to anyone who was offended. Wow. Not great? That's something. Council on American Islamic Relations Sunday had con complained publicly about plans for a commercial it said would have proclaimed a jihad on the U.S. auto market, offering fatwa Fridays with sales representatives <laughs> giving play swords to children. Oh, no. That's a great Fat idea. Fridays. We got fatwa Fridays with sales reps giving play swords to kids. Misra said the council would likely contact it either offer some kind of cultural or sensitivity awareness training. <laughs> oh, no. Fat Wall Friday. How, we can have that, can't we? Fat Wall Friday? Better not. Oh, listen, I'm hearing you're there, which in this case is not so good. Uh -huh. I'm surrounded by, oh, brother. You, you couldn't even begin to imagine. I think there could only be like about 75 million Muslims here. Really? Within about a two-block radius. Well, think oh, about it. If they all oh, look at that. Chris building. Wallace says, the president said I had a smirk. Actually, I was sheer wonder at what I was witnessing. How do you like that crap? Mm -hmm. They ridicule me for trying. Sort of takes me back to the last time Bill Clinton famously went. Oh, there's that genie most. Oh, brother, she's the least with her big mouth. Like, she's a real good one to be in making political commentary. Okay? She's a silly goose. She's exactly what you'd expect for them to put on the air. Make no mistake about it, they are evil. And the most evil of them all is that Wolf Blitzkrieg. You know what's really evil? What? what? Now, did Chris uh, Jones tell you about the new deal we got? Anybody out there, what we're going to do, we have a new commercial uh, package at QAM. Five-second spots. All we do is we announce the name of your business, like Ed Jones uh, Motors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if we got time oh, for five seconds, Ed Jones Motors in Miramar. Smaller unit than a billboard, even. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take those four-minute breaks that we have on the show, which that's the limit, thank God, or they'd be running like God only knows what. And what mm -hmm. we're going to do is we're going to, each minute will consist of 12 fives. That's right. Which you multiply that times four, so we'll have like 48 Five-second spot. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil <laughs> Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. For Christ! No. Okay, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm hearing things, but I thought that after the ID there, I heard, started to hear some other crap. Yeah, it must have been coming from the control room or something. I heard it also. What was that? I don't know. Uh, the I spot it was you. kept playing, basically. The next what do you spot. mean by that? The next spot just started playing. The next spot from what? You mean out of those 85 units we had in that last break? No, the next, the first spot of the next break. Oh, wow. Well, good. Let's get a couple of them out of the way. Here's a fax that says, this year, Yom Kippur, Oy. Yom Kippur, as they say. No, no Jews say Yom Kippur, okay? Only like some idiot would say Yom Kippur. Oh, get out of here. Yom Kippur, as in like Kippur herring. Kippur, uh, ooh. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like eating anything that's got the eye looking back at you, you know? Reminds me of Rick Riley. Back at you. There was a horse the other day called Back at you, and he won. Huh. This year, Yom Kippur is Sunday night uh, slash Monday, October 1st. Uh, Sunday night sundown, Yom Kippur. So that means starting at Sunday night, you can start eating a lot of treif. Bacon double cheeseburgers, uh, pork sandwiches, stuff like that. Ham on rye. No, not a rye. Ham on white bread with mayonnaise. Real treif. 
All this, all this silly crap, man. Well, it's it's uh, just tradition. Yeah, so is uh, killing people tradition. So is all that crap they're doing in those madrasses over there. And and were were we uh, at one point in the led to believe that they were cutting that crap out? Yeah, we were led to believe. Well, guess what? They're not cutting that crap out. The Saudis are still uh, promoting it, and the Paki's are still practicing it, and the kids are still uh, davening back and forth, and they're still uh, sniffing each other's uh, on the carpet there. I got news for you, man. You got to watch what you eat if you're going to be like uh, throwing your ass up in the air like that, and also watch who's behind you real close. God. Seems to be their favorite uh, pastime is throwing that carpet on the ground and sticking their ass up in the air. Sounds like a, uh, some kind of a gay exercise to me. What would you think? I try not to. No, good. Duff will explain it to you. He'll draw you a diaphragm. If he ever shows up again. I think he got hijacked there at Pompano Park. I think Duff's going to be in the fourth race tonight. How many votes we got? We got the 1,200 yet? We got 13. Holy moly, we're going to do it again. We are going to do it again, Joel, just to piss you off. Because we would do anything to hurt your ass. And I'm sure they're talking real heavy duty over there. Oh, we got a big August, man. Now we're on fire. Yeah, you know what happens to things that are on fire? They turn to ashes real fast. You know what I mean? I do. 1336. Yeah, they get a burning desire. 1336 votes. Who has history been most kind to? What is wrong with you people? You know something? Now I understand why people aren't foaming at the mouth about this war based on a pack of lies. How Lyndon Johnson could be in last place. I realize he was a late addition, and that's my bad. We put him on this morning because, you know, I forgot about it, trying to anyway. How could he be in last place? It's because I spelled it wrong all, the, all those hours. No, it's, uh, 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 what's his name? Eric, whatever his name is. Eric came to your rescue there. He corrected you. Just like he corrected nope yesterday to none. Nope rhymes with grope. History has been kindest to Ronnie Reagan, 606. Oh, they left the middle six out so far. He was the Antichrist. That's what Jane Wyman said. Abe Lincoln, 142. Freed the slaves, but he couldn't have cared less. Uh, the Pilgrims, 139. Joe Kennedy, 88. In fact, if the, if the Southerners, like uh, George Allen, if they would have just said, well, can't we keep the slaves? We won't secede, but we still want to keep the slaves. Oh, okay. How's that? Deal. No deal. Joe Kennedy, 88. Old uh, piece of turd. Joe Ke- Evil. Evil crook. I hate this poll. 82. 6.1%. They're full of hate. I think Kenny put them onto us. Robert E. Lee, 55, Henry Ford, 51, Charles Lindbergh, Lucky Lindbergh, 46. Like the dog named Lucky, you know, with one eye and no legs. Harry Truman, 40, Pope Pius XII, 36, Nazi uh, lover, just like the current Pope. Oh, well, now I take it back. He was a Nazi lover. The current Pope is just a Nazi. Henry Kissinger, speaking of Jewish Nazis, 19, Arthur Godfrey, 17. Well, i tell you one thing. Arthur Godfrey wouldn't like Henry Kissinger. No way. He wouldn't have hired him to, to, uh, to do anything, even to eat that damn soup. Maybe I could help and Lyndon Johnson, 15, last place. Out of 1,337, we're going to go over 1,400. But these people, you better start brushing up on your history, mister, because LBJ was an evildoer. He was evil, man. Nasty, evil, rotten lion. 58,000 kids came home in body bags. And, of course, that not even to mention all the other thousands, uh, if you saw born on the 4th of July, who came home missing body parts like the ones we have now. They keep talking about the, 20, what is it, 2,701? Mm-hmm. Is the up-to-date uh, figure dead in Iraq? American mm-hmm. soldiers. They right. keep talking about that. What about the uh, 20,000 uh, injured, many of whom have uh, missing oh, body just parts? they're wounded. Yeah, that doesn't just, really just mean lightly anything. wounded. Like right. like our soldiers are lightly killed, right, by those roadside bombs. Katrina Vandenhoevel from The Nation writes, I haven't read one of her pieces in a long time, have I? I'm not oh, going to yeah. just sit here and read the rest of the year. I'll tell you that. Two weeks, they're bringing Chris Moore back to do a sports show in midday. Chris and the Booster. No, that's right, Booster's cry. Chris and Joe Zagacki. Now we're talking. Joe Zagaki sucks, okay? Okay. I miss Joe Zagaki. I'd like to hear him doing some of them Hurricane games. You miss him? 
Now, let's see. who's. I'm just joking. Who's going to be on this weekend? Are they playing Hurricanes and they can't have another pass, you know? They can't keep hiding forever like our sales manager. Who are they playing this week? Playing Houston. But I thought the Dolphins are playing Houston. That's right. What a coinkydink. You mean to say that both of the teams are playing little girls' teams? That's right. Get out of here. Hey, listen, for the Hurricanes... Uh... Yeah, that's true. Any any team could be dangerous. I can't... Now, when's the BCC game? Uh, last game of the year. Yeah. And the, the, that that follows the Miami-Dade game. And they actually are uh, playing FIU. The yeah. fact that they're playing FIU in football, you know, it's so unbelievable. It's, it's just... And why do they? Why, how can they get away with this crap? You know, everybody takes it like so seriously. And let's look at the ratings and who's. That. How can you look at rankings when half of these teams play little girls teams half of the time, and then they lose? At least they don't choke up a big lead like the Spartans. There, we don't. We don't care about that. Michigan State. I've been telling that for years. It's always a good excuse. We don't care about it. Not a good excuse. Yeah. Sure. The devil and Mr. Bush by Katrina. Don't start with that sports stuff now. And by the way, you better start looking at that mirror and start thinking about Chris Sims and what a really macho guy he is. Play the rest of that game without a spleen. With his spleen all split, split up. Just like Nikolai Borshevsky for the Leafs years ago got his spleen punctured during a hockey game. Finished the damn game. How do you like that? Little Nikolai Borshevsky came up to George's knee. Can I read this uh, article or what? Please. Well, we need to talk a lot more about sports. You were saying that this morning. Well, actually, what you were saying this morning that we really need to discuss on the air was it was... It's just so perfect about your early days in that, not in that building, but in the original building. The first week with this. Oh, if the audience could just relate to it, could just could just understand it. It would be like if if you woke up one day and you were in Siberia and everybody was speaking Russian, you know. Sure. We don't speak your language. We speak sports. Anyway, Katrina Vandenhoof with the devil and Mr. Bush. Love him, hate him, fear him, revere him. Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez is an elected world leader whose fiery criticism of U.S. foreign policy can't simply be ignored or ridiculed. Maybe Chavez did himself, his larger alternative agenda, and his country a disservice by treating the U.N. podium as the set of his weekly TV show at home. His The Devil is Mr. Bush riff, an obviously allegorical one, if you ask me, delivered with an actor's dramatic flair and a good deal of humor, risk drowning out other important messages he did deliver. For example, how many know that he laid out an innovative four-point program to renew and reform the U.N. and spoke eloquently about how and why this era is giving birth to a heart? For sure, the speech was far from a model of diplomatic rhetoric, but that didn't seem to bother the scores of experienced delegate diplomats in the hall who greeted Chavez's speech with wild applause. When Bush spoke the day before, the General Assembly's hall sounded like a morgue. That reaction, as an incisive Washington Post article points out, shows that Chavez's words, while harsh in many ways, merely expressed in bolder terms what a number of other world leaders and foreign diplomats believe. Moreover, to be fair, how much diplomatic tact does Chavez owe to a president whose administration supported a coup against him? Instead of trying to understand why Chavez said what he did and how it played in Latin America and other parts of the world, or reporting that he also said in an interview last week that he'd welcome an improved relationship with the next administration, most of the U.S. media was quick to attack the Venezuelan president for his incendiary words. Few bother to ask why Chavez's excoriation of Bush might increase his popularity with U.N. member states and boost his campaign to win a non-permanent seat on the Security Council this October. The media's response isn't surprising. What surprises me, however, is that minority leader Nancy Pelosi felt compelled to go on record denouncing Chavez's words. Pelosi, someone I usually respect because I think she's been an effective leader and has effectively handled ridiculous and tasteless GOP attacks, said that Chavez fancies himself a modern-day Simon Bolivar, but all he is is an everyday thug. This bad soundbite of an attack certainly seems a distraction from more important issues that Democrats should be engaging and fighting for with just 44 days before Election Day. 
And if Pelosi felt it was so important to say something, weren't there more effective ways of putting Chavez's criticisms into context? Maybe talk about how unfortunate it is that Bush's policies have fueled unprecedented any Americanism abroad and such vitriolic rhetoric from foreign leaders? Maybe talk about why these are times when we need effective diplomacy and dialogue with countries like Venezuela, not name-calling? Some Democrats, like Senator Tom Harkin, got it right. Harkin said that while he believes Chavez's remarks were incendiary, he can understand the frustration and anger of certain people because of George Bush's policies. Seems like common sense to me. Says your girlfriend Katrina, and not the hurricane either. You go, girl. Yeah, right. you go, Katrina. But I can't believe you didn't watch all that. The emotion and the outpouring there in New Orleans last night of the Superdome and all those new lights, those Klieg lights they got in there, man, looked like something out of Nazi Germany. Unbelievable. Of course, in the meantime, all those poor bastards whose uh, homes are like in tatters and stuff. Why, why do I keep going through that? Because it's so typical, man. So typical. You think they'd let them in the game like for free or something? You know what I mean? Hey, you're out of line, Mister. And if I were you, I'd be donating your spleen to Chris Sims right now. I'd be on the phone. What they let you're them a young guy? The huh? They let them in for free during the hurricane. I'd be, I'd be, I would call up FedEx right now and tell them you want to put your spleen in a package and send it to Chris right now, or just send it to Chris Jones. Maybe that's not the body part he's missing. What, what body? Well, never mind. Don't want, I don't want to get you involved in the middle of it, okay? See, I always drag you, and you're the one that gets taken into ding-dong school, mm -hmm. and then the Greg Reed takes you in there and has a... Well, what was that all about that time? Remember that? Which time? No, no, not which time. That time that you were like... Uh, right, oh, that was the time when he called me here. Congratulations on the book. Great book, Neil. And by the way, I've decided to terminate George Rodriguez. That time. Oh, that was the, uh, the Inquisition. The Greg Reed Inquisition. Wow. What a joke. So anyway, that first day that you were working, <laughs> oh, the first week, and George discovered that these people speak the language so not of radio, real. not of broadcasting. They speak the language of ball games and gambling. Remember all those guys that uh, Hank used to have all his underlings there, including uh, Stu Gatz. Some of those guys were across the street now, like little Stu Gatz. He was one of the uh, proteges. They all they all had you know Hank's bookie's phone number, and they were all in there plunging their guts out. Donnie B, remember Donnie B? Boy, there was a pleasant guy. Wow. The only Donnie B. Arlock is Donnie Brasco. What was, what was his problem? And then there was, of course, uh, Jason Bloggs, whatever his name was. Yeah, let's Remember not him? talk about his uh, claim to fame. We, we can't talk about that on the air, okay? Nope. Somebody's going to have to fill me in off the air again. Well, let me, let me just put it to you, okay? I will. In fact, you know something? I'll give you a, a musical hint. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't know what it is. <laughs> Yo, Jay. <laughs> yeah. It was the shape of a J. <laughs> yeah, one of those little brownie cameras, if I can use that expression. Yeah. And George George will fill you in on the, on the game. Yeah, no, I'm good. I got it. Yeah, okay. The biggest names, the best talents. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560. Oh, boy. Go to lunch. Will you go to lunch? No. I can't. I can't close. 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 I can't close.
What if with one phone call you can get fresh new leads and actually close enough to get yourself on the Cadillac board? Get the chalk! Hey, get the chalk! Put me on the Cadillac board! It's not too good to be true. It's the Glengarry Leads, the leading provider of good leads on pink cards with gold ribbon wrapped around them, not the ones on the blue cards you're used to trying to close on. You hear me, you faggots? No matter what kind of property you're trying to close on, Glengarry has the leads you need. These are the new leads, and you don't get them. Unless you call now, 1-800-GLENGARY Leads. They're for closers. That's 1-800-GET-TO-WORK. That's 1-800-HAVE YOU MADE YOUR DECISION FOR CHRIST? Call Glengarry Leads now, and you'll receive $6,000. And one Cadillac. That's 1-800-CLOSE. That was my bad at the beginning. What we were trying to say was... Go to lunch, George. Go to lunch. But I had to pocket... Will you go to lunch? Okay. Because you kept trying to smoke it. Let's see. Here's a fax from Bruce. Says, thanks for a great show as usual. No problem. We're not talking about sports, but we're doing the best we can, okay? Under very difficult circumstances. Working with a bunch of people who speak some foreign language that we don't understand. Like that. Now, let's see. This says, Iran is definitely on the neocons agenda. I work with a person whose son is a sergeant in the Army. Last June, his son was told he would redeploy to Iran in November. The American people are asleep, and our elected officials are MIA, baby, missing in action, to which we ask only that one question. Have you made your decision for Christ? How do you write that? There's that uh, October-November surprise that Karl Rove is uh, promising all of his uh, congressional Republicans. It's the Iran attack. And if you think Iraq is a lot of fun, you ain't seen nothing yet. Great. Seventy million people in Iraq and they're in Iran, rather, and they're they, uh, they're so fanatical, man. They make the Iraqis look like uh, Sunday school. The insurgents look like uh, Sunday school kids, mm-hmm. which some of them are. In fact, maybe that was the problem. Too much Sunday school. Thirteen hundred and seventy-two votes on that poll, baby. Lyndon Johnson's still in last place. That it's just they don't know from him. What What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He but left the, office uh, uh, at the end of '68. The, the old people in the audience are, are dying every day. He left office in 68. That's 38 years ago. That means yeah. if you were like 15, you'd be 53 now. You're right. Well, uh, how about Robert E. Lee? How much do they know about him? Do they know Who? him? How about Abe Lincoln, our first Jewish president? Do they know him? Who? So don't forget, on Yom Kippur, be sure you need a lot of trafe. I will. In fact, go ahead and go back there on uh, Friday before you leave. Mm-hmm. And find uh, find where Gary Sarner's desk is, and stick a bunch oh. of tray, uh, like you know, bacon cheeseburgers in his desk. All I'm going to do is I'm going to get the bacon from Howie's, and I'm going to smear the grease. Smear all over. it. I'm That's gonna, it. Smear it. And the teabag his keyboard with bacon. Smear it on his desk. Smear it on the uh, bulletin board there. Smear it on his rectum. That's right. For Abramoff, lawmakers slandered teen sex slave. This story is so disgusting. A Texas congressman is denying charges. He slandered a foreign sex slave at the behest of Jack Abramoff, but documents obtained by TPM Muckraker contradict the Republicans' claims. That's tpmmuckraker.com is the website. In November 97, Representative Ralph Hall, Republican of Texas, publicly questioned the credibility of a teenage girl's claims that she'd been the victim of the sex trade in northern Mariana Islands. The statement which Representative Hall entered in the congressional record was prepared by Jack Abramoff, the lobbyist for the islands. She wanted to do new dancing hall statements out of the 15-year-old girl. She had earlier told federal investigators she'd been forced to work for a local nightclub in a nightly live sex show. Press accounts at the time detailed how the girl had been taken from her parents in the Philippines and forced to perform sex acts on stage and before video cameras at a Northern Mariana sex club. A 98 Department of Labor report confirmed those reports. Hall's challenger in Texas's 4th District, history professor Glenn Melanson, has made the episode a campaign issue. Melanson, whatever his name is. Melanchon? Maricon. Melanchon. No. 
When investigators discovered child prostitutes and forced abortions on the Mariana Islands, Congressman Ralph Hall was paid for covering it up and publicly attacking one of the raped children reads postcards his campaign distributed to voters. Hall has called the charge an outright lie, but his office did not respond to our request for comment on this story. Records show that Abramoff's staff contacted Hall's office 15 times in the two months leading up to a statement in the congressional record. Hall is also denied being paid for making the statement, but oddly enough has revealed that Tom DeLay gave him money 10 years ago according to the district's local newspaper, the Herald Banner. And it goes on about this one did this and that one did that. And the poor girl, she got the, she was taken away from her parents in the Philippines at the age of 15 to work at a nightclub in the Northern Marianas. Once there, she was forced to sell drinks, dance naked, and perform videotaped sex acts on stage with the customers. She was eventually given asylum in Hawaii where she lives today. You know, nothing like those good moral Republicans, man. I told you, they're all crooks. Mm-hmm. I don't mind you being a crook, but don't lie about it. Just like, uh, what's his name, George Allen. You know, we don't care if you're a racist redneck. Just quit lying about it, that's all, you macaca. God, what a yahoo. Just a drooling yahoo, man. Yeah. There's one thing that I want to impart with you people. Don't ever, this may sound like a little bit of narrow-mindedness on my part, too bad. It's a good general piece of advice. Don't ever trust anybody who speaks with a real heavy southern drawl. You know what I mean, y'all? What heavy mean? drawl. A little bit of a southern accent, not too bad. But when they speak with a real heavy southern draw, run for the hills, baby, and then you'll find the rest of their kin right up there in Aintree. Eh? <laughs> 1382. Do you know that, uh, what the hell is his name? Hal, uh, uh, what the hell is his name? Holbrook. Oh. They made a movie, a horrible, uh, it's supposed to be like a ripoff of Deliverance, where these uh, four buddies go out. What the hell is the name of that thing? Do a Google Hal Holbrook, who's a great actor, but a horrible movie. And then I'd like to see which one was first. It would seem to me that this must it had to be a ripoff of Deliverance. Please tell me it was. You know the name of the movie? No. Are you Googling Hal Holbrook or not? Yes. I could, I could have done this like 20 minutes ago. God, is that thing slow. And I, I keep, I don't know, it's the Internet connection. It's not the computer, it's the Internet connection. You keep telling me that. I only made a million movies. What, Hal Holbrook? Do yeah. I have to look this up? 70-something. 110 movies. Woo. That's all i got to narrow it down from. Okay, I'm, I'm Googling right now. No, not Hal Millbrook. Oh, look what, look what I wrote on there. Hey, was it Hercules? Well, it wasn't Hercules. It was, it was a short name. Hal Holbrook. It wasn't all the president's men. Let me do the... Uh, sh- what I should have done was go to IMDb. Why the hell did I do That's that? That's what I'm at. Oh, well, not now I just got on it by accident. Hal Holbrook, born 1925. God, is he old? He's still alive, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. He's 83. Let's see. The name of the movie was... Uh, oh, no. These are much too recent. Not Hush. Not uh, My Own Country. Not Eve of God. Not Hercules. The Firm? No. Way, way before that. Day One? Fletch Lives? No. Under Siege? No. Rituals? Yes! Really? Where are you seeing that? Number 80. Uh, what did I tell you? 77. That was what I told you, Sunset Strip. Rituals. Now, what was the year for um, Deliverance? 72, 73? Oh, I was reading the description. It says, like Deliverance, mostly about a very thin veneer of civilization. 5.3, they give it more. I'd, say, I'd take about two points away from that. Piece of garbage. Yeah, it's 72, Deliverance. Yeah, see, I told you. This is five years later. A really bad 
bad. And here's here's a review. Powerful, surreal, and disturbing. Right. Disturb my ass. I'll go get a stick. Good God. Are there any other reviews on this, or was that it? No. Creepy as hell. And Well, maybe it is good. I don't know. I saw about five minutes of it. It looked like a really, really bad. And, and it's really shot dark, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, oh, uh, I hate like, that. Real dark. Like you can't see anything like it's underwater. Darker mm-hmm. than OG Undercover Time Magazine. Really, I can't see a damn thing. Real dark and real dank. And like a real bad ripoff of Deliverance. But, you know, if they say it's great, I guess you'll have to go out and buy it for me. All right. 26 after one, we got the Mad Dog at two today talking about that New Orleans game last night. There's sure a lot to say about that game, isn't there? Not the biggest names of the last night. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560 AM. Blow too much, you're in trouble. It's a terrorist warning. Oh, my God. Uh, so as you drive on into work, be alert. The White House says we're all doomed now. Can't be sure where they might strike next. Yeah, we're nervous wrecks because of all of the stress. Rumsfeld says we better watch out. He used the word I fear. Just in the CNN, the intelligence report on Iraq, the one that the administration says, oh, no, they're just taking things out of context. It's going to be posted on the web at www.dni.gov. I, dni.gov. I'm going to check it out during the next break. Meantime, a suspicious bag. I've seen yeah. a few of those. Sure. Prompted the evacuation of portions of Miami International Airport this afternoon for a very short time. Everything's hunky-dory now. Everything's fine. The area between concourses F and G was evacuated while a police bomb squad arrived to investigate. Uh, they noticed a bag at a screening checkpoint around noon, a suspicious bag. It's a sports show. Anyway, it's a suspicious bag. Well, as long as I'm whispering, you know, I might as well get it all in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was suspicious. But everything's just fine. It was, you know, it was an accident, but nobody got hurt. So uh, the airport's back open. Everybody's uh, been told, go back, get on your plane, go have a good time. And, of course, between Concourse F and G, Concourse G at MIA, you know what's in there, don't you? Air Canada. Uh-oh. Some of them suspicious Canadians, eh? Could be. At any rate. So, let's see. DNI.gov. Do we want to look this up right now? If you wish. Can you imagine how many hits there's going to be on that thing? What do you mean this page could not be displayed? We can't find DNA.gov, it says. Hmm. Maybe they ain't you ready yet. It. What? Maybe it ain't ready yet. Maybe what the hell does that wrong. mean they can't find it? I was just on CNN. They certainly wouldn't lie to us, would they? Yes. Huh? Put up a bogus. I read it very. I got my nose right up to the screen there to make sure I had the right website. Did you, are you trying to find it? No. 
But you won't. Don't waste your time. I'll try it again during the next break, and then I'll try it in the middle of the break after that because we've got 85 units in it. The planet's temperature, not now you understand there's no such thing as global warming, it's just liberal propaganda? That's right, I knew that. The planet's temperature has climbed to levels not seen in thousands of years, warming that has begun to affect plants and animals. Researchers report in today's issue of the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The Earth has been warming at a rate of 0.36 degree Fahrenheit per decade for the last 30 years. About 30, man! According to a research team led by James Hansen of NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies in New York. That brings the overall temperature to the warmest in the current interglacial period, which began about 12,000 years ago. Once again, there we go. There's a conflict, you see, between science and religion. 12,000 years ago, my ass. Because we know the Lord invented the universe and the whole, the whole business five, 6,000 years ago, right? Absolutely. In the year 2525 with Zagrin Evans. Researchers noted that a report in the journal Nature found that 1,700 plant, animal, and insect species moved forward at an average rate of about four miles per decade in the last half of the 20th century. They moved forward. The warming has been stronger in the far north, where melting ice and snow exposed darker land and rocks beneath, allowing more warmth for the sun to be absorbed and more land over the water. More, more, uh, overland, more overland than water. What are you saying? Huh? I don't know. Sports show. Water changes temperature more slowly than land because of its great capacity to hold heat. But the researchers know that the warming has been marked in the Indian and Western Pacific Oceans. These oceans have had a major effect on climate warming that could lead to more El Nino episodes affecting the weather. El Nino. Uh-oh. The child. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget when I had the Dr. Neil Frank on my show. Remember those boring days back in the... No. On INZ. And he was talking about El Nino. And, of course, he's a good born-again Christian. Good guy, but he's got that religious problem, you know. Remember Neil Frank? No. From the National Hurricane Center? Oh, that Neil Frank. With a short brush cut that went to Houston? Yes. To do a, to be a TV, uh, 1,400 votes. Oh, 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 1,400, the light bulb. I'm surprised we haven't had a call yet from Barry Jackass to congratulate us on our giving high marks to Anita Mark or whatever her name was there on, the, on 1,400. Carl Foster and Bananas Foster. There's another one of these 75 incarnations of sports stations that have been on the air in the last two, three years. Oh, yeah. There's the fan and the fan junior and the ticket and the uh, sticket and you know oh brother, hey, it was amazing. Days? And like Ray Perry said, if we only had four thousand uh, sports talk stations, man, bring a lot more people to sports, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. I'm sorry. I know. When I think about that, I swoon. It's depressing. But then this this is what we're surrounded by, man. I know. We're surrounded by this, and Joe Bell is handed. He's just handed them the keys to the kingdom. And said, "Here you go, Clarence. It's all yours. It's all yours. Just hand it over to a bunch of lunatics, to a bunch of little children, man." Little overgrown children. Robert Greeper. I hope that what's her name in there? What the hell's her name that came from across the street? The spy. I mean, uh, what is her name? Allison. Allison. I sure hope she she puts those bastards in their place. Stick it to them, Allison. Get out the whip. The beast and Robert Greeper. Line them up against the wall and give them about 80 lashes, man. Unbelievable. And while you're at it, stick Clarence in the middle. Of course, he's used to that. Wouldn't be the first time. Pivot man. Americans look for political manipulation as gasoline prices plunge. No. <laughs> you mean they're not fooling you? There is no mystery or manipulation behind the recent fall in gas prices, analysts say. Try telling that to many motorists. Right. Do we believe it? No. no. Almost half Americans believe the plunge at the pump has more to do with politics and the November elections than economics. Retired farmer, this is in USA Today, retired farmer Jim Moore of Lexington, Illinois, rattled off a tank full of reasons why pump prices may be falling, including the end of the summer travel season and the fact that no major hurricanes have disrupted Gulf of Mexico output. But I think the big reason, importantly, is that Republicans want to get elected more 66, said while filling up for 217 a gallon. They think getting the prices down is going to help get some more incumbents reelected. Well, surprise, 
According to a new Gallup poll, 42% of respondents agreed with the statement that the Bush administration deliberately manipulated the price of gasoline so it would decrease before this fall's election. 53% of those surveyed did not believe the conspiracy theory, and 5% said, more times the game on. Not surprising, almost two-thirds of those who suspect Bush intervened to bring down energy prices before Election Day are registered Democrats. The excitement and suspicion among U.S. motorists follows a post-summer decline in gas prices that even veteran analysts and gas station owners concede has been steeper than usual. And those ragheads over there are good friends, the mullahs and the bullahs and the uh, shake your booties. They're over there, and they're just, it's like puppets on a string, baby, the way they got uh, the whole world dancing, you know? That's mm-hmm. the way they do it. Everybody like puppets on a string. That's why they wear those horns on those shmatas in the corner up above the eyebrows, you know? Those yeah. devil's horns. Is that to hold the strings? Yeah. See, actually, he should have, instead of picking on Bush, Chavez should have picked on a mullah bullah, what, what, uh, Bandar Bush. Maybe that's what he was talking about, El yeah, Diablo. Right. He's got those devil horns, baby. Haven't you seen the Saudis? I keep right. telling you that. If you look at those outfits a little bit closer, man. Well, don't argue Semites have devil horns. No. Only on Simchas Torah. 1,402 votes in LBJ. Finally, look at that. He's tied for last with Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> Arthur who? Come on. You know Arthur Godfrey. I know the road. Probably Loki. And you know what? Thanks to Boca Brian. Remember that uh, really boring and disc that I, uh, Rosa. that I sent who? you a copy of? That, and Tony Marvin. The what? That disc of uh, great moments from TV or something. Only yeah. because I saw that do I know who Arthur Godfrey is. Well, obviously, you know, you're not missing nothing. Hawaii. Yeah. yeah Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> oh brutal. brutal. Even the cornfields in Iowa had nothing on him, I'll tell you that, Arthur Godfrey. He was a one in a billion, thank God. There's a man with a little tiny bit of talent, took it a long way, I'll say that for him. Kind of like Dave Garraway, early days of TV, man. That was the time to get on the ground floor. Now it's like in sportscasting, man, you could have a lot of talent. You aren't got a Chinaman's chance in hell because all these illiterate jocks have got all the jobs. All these inarticulate, dumb jocks have got the jobs. In fact, you'll be hearing a lot of them on this station for the next several months. 1,405 votes. Who has history been the most kind to Ronnie Reagan, 637, Abe Lincoln, 147, the Pilgrims, 142, uh, Henry Aldrich and Priscilla Duguid, Joe Kennedy, 95, I hate this pool, 92, 6.5%, full of hate, Robert E. Lee, 55, Henry Ford, 52, Charlie Lindbergh, 46, Harry Truman, 40, Pope Pius XII, 37, Henry Kissinger, 24, Slimeball, Butcher, Murderer, Lyndon Johnson, bigger butcher, bigger murderer, bigger liar, if that's possible, 19. And Arthur Godfrey, 19. I bet you Julius LaRose would be pretty happy to see that. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. This is Learned to Spell with Donnell. I'll be Donnell Jackson, and today we're going to spell the word European. Spell it with me now. European. E-U-R-O-P-E-A-N. That's a big one. Now, let's use it in a sentence. So I said to the guy, I said, hey, get away from my car. European on my tie. This is Learned to Spell with Donnell. I'll be Donnell Jackson. Okay, so that website's operative now. It looks like they just put that thing up there. All That's right. the office of the Director of National Intelligence, John Negroponte, the Butcher of the Honduras. I didn't see anything there yet about this, but it'll be on there today, man. The, the full, uh, I'm sure, very expurgated crap, the intelligence report on Iraq. After the through of brushing it and scrubbing it and cleaning it, squeezing it. Brushing, 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 brushing. Right. Got the new poll up there. I'm not going to read them until tomorrow, though. We got the brand new one up there. I was just inspired because Eric, huh? 